Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale. Brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink responsibly. Access to the best in construction industry training. Call Master Builders Victoria today. Afternoons on SEN. Uh, yes, indeed. A very good afternoon to you. Welcome to Afternoon. Sam Hargraves in the chair for Dwayne. Uh, great to have you on board, however you're finding us, wherever you're finding us around the SEN network, uh, however your day is going. It's good to have you with us. Uh, the Har- the uh, It's not the Harcourt's open line at this time of day. It's the Werribee Kia open line, awarded National Kia dealer, car dealer of the year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. So even though Dwayne is not here, his promise lives on. The Midday Madness promise, you call, you get on, whatever you want to put on the agenda, the floor is yours, one 736 Got great prizes to give away. Uh, it'd be wonderful to chat to you, whatever you want to put on the table, one uh, 736 736 The Werribee Kia open line is exactly that. And, um, and I know that Dwayne always likes to give a shout-out to the team down at Werribee Kia. Um, Jim, uh, and I don't remember all the names, but Dwayne does. Uh, and so we love the whole team down at Werribee Kia. Um, and also you can text in on the 40 Wings Temper Text. Consumer Choice Winner Temper Mattresses, Pillows and Adjustable Bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. 0433 um, Plenty on the agenda today. Uh, coming up over the next three hours, first and foremost, we're going to be following Brent Costello's Twitter because he seems to be the only way that we can follow what Gill's actually uh, announcing down in Tasmania. Uh, Brent Costello tweeting just moments ago that the state government and the AFL have an in-principle agreement on the commercial terms for a Tasmanian team. So that's massive news. Absolutely massive news. It will be a landmark moment in the history uh, of this game. Uh, a 19th licence looks uh, absolutely done and dusted now. So we will follow that with great interest. We'll hopefully chat to Brent Costello as soon as he's finished up uh, following that press conference along and we'll get the details uh, of what uh, has been discussed today. Uh, he also tweeted that the clarity given today will allow Hawthorne and North Melbourne to play games in Tassie next year. Uh, Premier Jeremy Rockliffe has confirmed. So whether that still means that the money that Tasmania pay those clubs, which is a fairly substantial amount to come and play home games in Tassie will still be in effect. All of that hopefully will be revealed. Uh, Coming up, I want to talk to you about where are we at with cricket in our country at the moment? I've asked this question before about where are we at with this team in terms of our love for it. This is not the same question. It really is just about where are we at? 15,000 people at the Adelaide Oval last night. Yes, it's a work day. Yes, it's a school night. But 15,000 people uh, for the start of the Australian summer against the old enemy, that's a really, really low crowd. And that surely is a concerning number um, as we head into the summer. So I want to find out from you, if if you were in charge of Cricket Australia, if you were in charge of uh, international cricket, how would you restructure the calendar? And we can start with the Australian summer. 
so that we maximise eyes on the prize, maximise eyes uh, on the product, bums in seats. So we'll talk about that in a bit greater detail. Across the course of the next few hours, we're going to head up to the Northern Territory, one of the greatest of all time, Gary Ablett Jr. returning to football. Palmerston uh, in the NTFL. Uh, Eddie Betts is up there as well. I think Matty Stokes too. Mitch Robinson's playing for the Bulls up there. So there's a really healthy um, contingent of uh, former AFL players getting around uh, in the NTFL up there. So we'll chat to Carl Pfeiffer. Uh, Adam Peacock's going to join us from Qatar to set up the uh, FIFA World Cup. Liam Santa Maria is going to give us the details of who went where and why. And we'll talk about the courageous uh, announcement of Isaac Humphrey um, with Liam Santa Maria from the NBL across the next couple of hours as well. Lou Martin from the GRV. Adam Collins will uh, review last night's six-wicket win by the Aussies against England at the Adelaide Oval. Um one three hundred seven three six seven three six. The Werribee Kia Open Line awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. This is uh, how things went down at the Adelaide Oval last night. Eve to the leg side, a field of settles, but can't do much with it. Well, does brilliantly with it, in fact. Oh, that's crazy. That wow. is crazy. That's unbelievable. What a feeling. What a play by Ashton Agar. Green bowls over the wickets. It's played stylishly. The offside. They go to the stroke. Dangerous. Direct hit. Agar throws the stumps down at the non-striker's end. And Dawson is cast. He barely got past halfway. Jordan bowls here. Widens flat and straight. And Warner through for the quick single. After pushing out to cover, he'll get to 50. Warner gets a chance to raise his batter Adelaide Oval again. A ground he's loved over the years. Last ball, Jordan's over, head clipping over towards deep mid-wicket. Has it gone for six? Looks like it might have. They'll check upstairs. There was a fielder in that direction, but he timed it so well. Either way, he advances to 50. Three to win from 20 balls. Milan up to the crease and bowls, and Smith does go up and over the top of mid-wicket. He finishes it with a six. Australia do it easy. They win by six wickets with 20 balls to spare. Yeah, real kind of team performance as well. Everyone got involved with the win. So, uh, yeah, really pleasing. We came in here really fresh, um, you know, after a week and keen to get back into it and, yeah, showed it today. You know, everyone, you know, Ash Agar's into the team for the first time in a little while. Trav Head, they, they stepped up and, um, you know, a couple of spinners bowled in different positions to what they would normally and, yeah, everyone just cracked on. It was great. So, Australia last night, an impressive run chase in the end against England. Looked like they might have, you know, watered the bed. They had the Poms at four for 66, but they went on to post nine for 287. Darwin Milan, 134 magnificent innings in just his 10th ODI. He salvaged that innings. Actually the highest England one-day international individual score at the Adelaide Oval. Uh, the Aussies did it comfortably, though. It was a second-string England bowling attack, it must be said. But it is a good start on the field for the summer, but it wasn't a great start in the stands. Um, I said that during the T20 World Cup, we got outplayed and outfanned. Uh, we got taught a lesson in, in what it really means to love and support your, your cricket side. 15,000 people, Adelaide Oval, one of the best venues in the country to watch cricket um, in a city that loves its cricket. Uh, Australia and England, the old enemy, the official start of the cricket summer. It seems that the apathetic view of the Aussie teams continuing. Now, you said it was because nobody cares about T20. When I asked the question last week, I asked if we'd fallen out of love with our side. And you mentioned that the way Justin Langer was treated, Pat Cummins as politics, Sandpaper Gate, those were the reasons that you said that maybe people don't love this team as much. Too much cricket was another reason. 
the ever-changing white ball lineup, players taking time out due to workload, random series at random times that don't really lead to anything. Now, the Test Championship has helped provide uh, a bit of a focus and a goal to the Test schedule. But is sport changing in that we have our team that we support religiously during a footy season or an NBL season or a rugby league season or whatever sport it is, but the cricket schedule now, it's hard to keep up with. We have plenty of you telling us whenever we announce that we're broadcasting certain series, oh, thanks for broadcasting the cricket. I didn't actually know it was on. So it makes it hard to stay connected with the side. So I reckon Pat Cummins would have won a ton of admirers back for putting country above cash. He's made $4.5 million in the last two years in the IPL, but he's going to sit this one out now as our one-day international and test uh, captain. He's the exception, though, not the rule. Ian Healy uh, said to Julian Stoop early this morning that if he could have, he would have gone after the IPL cash. So I want to know, given that's where we're at at the moment, where it seems like there is a bit of an apathy in regards to our, our attendance when it comes to cricket, that if you were in charge of Cricket Australia, how would you restructure cricket? And even if you're in charge of the ICC, how would you restructure cricket so it doesn't head down that path of irrelevance that I don't think it would ever get to, but the Wallabies are heading down it at the moment. The crowd numbers are telling us that you don't care as much about the Aussie men's cricket team as maybe you once did. So how do we refocus the fixture to refocus ourselves on cricket as fans? And it probably needs to be at an international level as well, where everybody's in alignment on this. And you wonder whether we should go back to the days where we had one or two teams that come out to play test and then they play some one-day internationals and now it'd be some T20s. Should we look at a series every summer or two series every summer like what the women do where they play? It's only one test in the women's side, but that will get more. But if you balance it out that it's a certain amount of tests, certain amount of one days, a certain amount of T20s, you play against that country or two countries across the course of the cricketing summer. And it builds up to something. So you would have an overall series winner as well as an overall winner in the formats. And those rankings and then those results go towards the test championship one-day international World Cup rankings, T20 international World Cup rankings? Or do we need to make the drastic change of shedding one-day internationals completely? So there isn't, there just isn't enough time in the calendar, is there? People can't give their reducing time and their reducing disposable income to three formats of cricket to turn up en masse time and time again. So if T20s is funding the game and Test is the pinnacle, then do the maths on that. One day internationals may be the victim of evolution. Evolve or die. Kids are now just as likely to be wearing a BBL team top as the Aussie cricket team top. The Woolies cricket blast numbers, which is the Oz kick of cricket, their numbers were down significantly in the last sentence uh, census. Participation slightly up in boys and well up in girls' participation at junior level. But the entry-level program is so important. Now, COVID was one reason. Lack of connection to the top level um, is another I was lucky enough to, to go to a one-day international every year when I was a kid. It fostered my love of my favourite players, the team, Dean Jones, Shane Warne, Mark War. Don't think that happens the way it used to now because it's a glut on the calendar and it doesn't really follow any definable path. It's just this is here, that's there, and this will be then, and that'll be now. So how does it get focused? How do we actually have it more structured so that we actually reconnect 
with our team? That's the question I want to ask you today. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Just before we dip into that, Brent Costello has been good enough to jump on with us fresh from the press conference. Gil McLaughlin and Jeremy Rockliffe, the Premier of Tasmania. Big announcements being made today. Brent, we've been following along with your Twitter. What can you tell us, mate? Yeah, g'day, Sam. Pretty exciting news. It's a, it's a step forward, that's for sure, uh, from where we've been. The AFL and the state government here in Tassie have an in-principle agreement on commercial terms for a Tasmanian team. So uh, that's that's pretty exciting. Um, obviously, there's still some work to be done with the stadium, but uh, this is definitely a, a little step forward today. So what other info? It is incredibly exciting, Brent. Brent Costello's from Win News in Tasmania has been at the forefront of this story for a long time, has been one of the voices pushing this incredibly hard. Um, what else can you tell us uh, and any other detail that might have come out of the press conference today, Brent? Yeah, it, it surrounds the stadium, Sam, so that's the next step forward. So I think they wanted to get something out there just to throw us a bone today to say, you know, we are committed to this, but uh, the stadium needs to happen for a team to happen. And for the stadium to happen, obviously a lot of funding has to go into that as well. So the state government here has committed $375 million towards that. That's their max. They've capped out on that. So around $375 million has to come from somewhere else. And, and the majority of that you'd think would have to come from the federal government. So that's the next step. A business case is currently being prepared to take to the feds by the state government. So I expect that to be sometime before the new year. And once they get hold of that, uh, I guess the federal government will assess it. And then hopefully we can have an official announcement on a Tasmanian team if they're willing to commit the funds. And obviously looking at private investors too. Gil McLaughlin was in town today speaking at um, an investor's um, uh, seminar, I suppose you could call it, um, pitching uh, Tasmania's case to, to, to some um, very influential people as well. So... That's the next step in all this, getting that business case to the federal government and trying to get getting this done and official once and for all. So the Tasmanian government has agreed now. So everybody's on the same page that this will happen. The licence is agreed on. It will all go ahead as long as the stadium does. And everybody is on the same page with that, Brent. Yeah, Gil said there's still a few clubs with a few um, small issues surrounding it, I think. But I don't think that's anything we can't uh, get over the hurdle of. And um, but, yeah, apart from that, we talked about these 11 work streams that they've been working through, and, and I think 10 of 11 of those are ticked off, and the last one is the stadium. So if they can sort that out, and I'm, I'm hopeful they can, um, we should see a Tassie team in the AFL. He wasn't really committed to talking about timelines. Gil, obviously 2027's been floated for a while now, and I asked him, you know, how long does this delay have to go for before you look at pushing out that timeline even further? Um, but, yeah, he wasn't really willing to, to commit to timelines. Uh, we've done a lot of those over the journey, Sam. We've had that August end of August deadline, which never was sort of met, and I think they're, they're pretty careful now about putting deadlines in place, which is which is fair enough, I guess. So, uh, obviously, Christmas is coming up, so things might slow down a little bit, but um, we'll see what happens in the new year, hopefully. So, you've been following this story, and you're well-connected to it. How confident are you that the money is there to be found? You know, the federal government has been really positive, which is the federal Labor government, but the opposition, uh, the state Labor government down in Tassie, uh, have there's been some rumblings there. So when you look at the number needed and you've been following where that might come from, how confident are you? Well, this is a tricky situation because you're right, Labor here, which is the state opposition, is dead against a new stadium being built. They, they believe the funds should go to health and homelessness and, and you know, there's a lot of um, wage strikes here at the moment and things like that. So they, they think the money can be better spent elsewhere. And that's a tricky party because obviously the federal government's labour. So if they come in and, and, and fund this, it creates sort of a delicate situation with the state labour here. So 
Um, but, you know, Gil was you know, adamant in his press today that they've had some success with getting funding out of governments before, so um, you wouldn't put it past them to get it done, I don't think, the AFL. And North Melbourne and Hawthorne fans would have been wanting to know with great interest after your tweet whether that means, given that the door's open for them to keep playing home games there for the time being, does that mean that the money's still going to come from the Tasmanian government to both those clubs each year? Yeah, at least for next year. Um, we didn't actually get a time frame on that, but um, Jeremy Rockliffe, the Premier, said, you know, the certainty around today's announcement will allow them to, to fund those deals for at least next year. So that is some certainty. Good to see we'll have some AFL content here in Tasmania next year. So I know you don't want to do dates, um, but when do you think this needs to be sorted by if this is going to get off the ground, Brent? Yeah, look, um, it'll be really interesting. Um, as I said, 2027 has been the timeline that's been floated for some time. Um, so we'll see yeah, We'll see what happens. I'm a bit sceptical to put timeframes in place too now, given what we've been through the last uh, couple of years. But uh, hopefully, you know, if this gets ticked off, we, we can see a team run out in 2027. And we know that um, Gil said in the past that Utah Stadium and Blunston Arena will be absolutely capable of hosting earlier games if the stadium isn't built by then. So uh, hopefully that's the case. Brilliantly done, Brent Costello. It's a busy day for you. It's an exciting day for footy in Tasmania. An in-principle agreement on commercial terms for the Tasmanian team has been struck. The stadium is at the centrepiece of that and the Tasmanian government committing to that condition and they will put up $375 million. Mate, thanks for setting it all out for us and explaining it all to us. We'll speak to you again soon. Good on you, Sam. Have a good day, mate. Uh, Brent Costello, make sure you follow. He is at the forefront of this story and doing a brilliant job of reporting on it uh, at Brent Costello on Twitter for Win News in Tasmania. Hey, heaps of calls coming through for Midday Madness. The Werribee Kia open line is certainly open. Uh, you will get to your calls on how you would restructure cricket to bring people back to it on the other side of this. Uh, afternoons on SEN for Master Builders. Want the best in industry training? Contact Master Builders Victoria. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale, brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink responsibly. Access to the best in construction industry training. Call Master Builders Victoria today. Afternoons on SEN. Uh, we'll talk more about Australia's one-day international win last night at the Adelaide Oval against England with Adam Collins, SEN commentator, at about 20 to 1. But until then and after then, thinking caps are on, I'm asking you to take the reins of cricket in the country and internationally, how do we restructure it so we fall back in love with it and we head back to it. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. the Werribee Kia open line, awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. Paul in Darwin has been waiting very patiently. Paul, the floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, definitely the solution, I think, is to simplify things. So we need two formats of the game and uh, three elements to that. So obviously test cricket and then 2020 and scrap the 50 game altogether. And then with the 2020, uh, you have the Big Bash and a clear window for the Big Bash. All Australian players play the Big Bash the whole time. And then the other window is uh, basically qualifying games for the World Cup. Have it every four years, not every second year or every year. Uh, Just do it like the soccer does. And so just, you know, compare... The, the qualifying path of the soccer, do the same thing with 2020 cricket and the test matches and Big Bash and nothing more than that. Pair the Big Bash down to 10 games because there's too much of it at the moment. If there's greater demand in the future, then increase it then. But, yeah, it needs to be simplified for sure. 
Paul, there is a ton of uh, thought that's gone into that, and you make some really, really strong and salient points, and it's hard to argue uh, with any of it. I've said it a few times. The old Jerry Seinfeld line uh, from his little bit about uh, wanting people just have to be in contact with each other so much with mobile phones and answering machines and the beeper and all that stuff. Uh, he said, you've got to give people a chance to miss you. And I reckon we've we got to do that with the World Cup. Uh, nicely done. And because you were waiting so long, I'm sure I've probably burnt half your battery. So a Signet Power Boost Bank going to you. Signet Power Boost Bank valued at $59.95. A Signet Boost Power Bank will keep your phone, your tablet, your earbuds powered 24-7. Uh, let's get to Dave in Melbourne. G'day, Dave. How you going, mate? Good, thank you. That's good. I think you just need to bring back some consistency with the Australian summer. No one knows that it's on. It's not promoted. So the first ball of an international series should always be uh, the first test at the Gabba. Um, leading up to that, have your Marsh uh, One Day Cup in the Sheffield Shield on weekends and actually promote it. So mm. when people have nothing to watch on the weekend, they can watch that. That's you remember that? Do, do you remember when people used to go to the Shield? Dave, I'm old enough to remember that. And, and, and Sammy, I'd love to go, but it's during the week. Uh, you, you can't get there. And when there's nothing to watch on the weekend, there's no cricket on. So you have that as your slow build-up to the Test Series. And once the Test Series is completed, everyone's more invested in the international players, both Australia and the opposition. You finish off with your one-day series or a tri-series. Dave, really appreciate the thought you put into that. And thank you for your call. Uh, we'll keep giving away some prizes as well. We got something for Dave there, uh, Johnny D.? Uh, hold the line, Dave, and I'll let you know what you've won in just a moment. But let's get to John, who's on the road, who wants to talk about how we restructure the great game. Uh, John, hello. Yeah, thank you, Sammy. Yeah, look, I, I think the problem is probably a little bit multi-pronged. Uh, but I, I, for one who really loved the game and all formats of it, find it very hard to affiliate myself with a team, especially with the 2020 game. And these days, even the one days, even though I enjoy the one days more because mm. I like the idea of sitting there and watching a few hours of it, but I think they got it wrong from the start. I think they, this was an opportunity to bring a, a, a little bit of a state of origin feeling to it. And I think if the big bash was not this, these power breakers putting teams together, I think if, the, the, if that was a state, uh, if that was state teams and, and states played each other and there was a league... So if states played each other in 2020, states did it in um, in 50 in the 50 hour yeah. game as well as that's how it started, wasn't it, John? That with the, tw the the first big bash, I reckon. I don't know if it was called that, but it did start with the states playing each other uh, in that format. So it's, it's maybe that's how we get some passion back into that. Um, it's a great idea, and I appreciate you ringing to make it a 50 buck Brick Lane Brewing voucher for you, Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale. Perfect for all occasions and the ultimate crowd. Please a drink responsibly. And for David, who was holding earlier, you've won a mystery craft beer bundle thanks to Harry Dog, the largest range of alcohol online delivered. Harrydog.com. Uh, got to get to the news, but this text, the general media has to take responsibility for constantly talking down the relevance of cricket series and the side. It also doesn't help the players like the English captain saying this week during a press conference that the team would rather be anywhere else other than playing this one-day international series. If they don't care, why should we? Damien, the second point I really agree with. The first point, I don't know if you're referring to me, but we are incredibly proud on SEN to be your broadcaster of these one-day internationals, the Test Summer Ahead, the T20 World Cup. But when we look there and we're at the grounds and we're seeing that, that you as the fan aren't turning up, then we have to ask why, because we love the game. I don't want any cricket to, to, to not exist anymore, but we have to also be realistic and we have to listen to people when they say why they're not going. So we have to 
have an open mind and the whole idea of that, that you've got to evolve or you die and you're green and growing or ripe and rotting and all of those. So something's clearly not connecting the team to the public. We've got to try and find out what that is and why that is. We're not talking it down. We're actually trying to talk it up. Uh, but thank you for your text, uh, consumer ch- text choice winner, temper matches, pillows and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. The 40 Wings Temper Text, it's news time. Uh, thank you, April. Greatly appreciated. Adam Collins to join us in about five minutes' time. But it is midday madness, and the promise is you call, you get on. Ross is in Forest Hill. G'day, Ross. How are you, mate? Thanks for taking the call. Uh, thank you for calling. Uh, my uh, take on cricket in general is, yes, they have killed the goose that laid the golden egg because there's just too much of it, uh, and it means nothing. Uh, particularly, and I'm sorry, I don't, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, make a rod for my back here, but when you have the women's as well, it's just, it's sort of, you turn on the TV and it's just like a blur. I don't mean the women's game, I just mean the blur being that there are just games on all the time. And uh, so it loses its significance. I mean, I remember, you know, watching Steve Waugh win a one-day international with a six on the last ball. Yeah. You know, and that was when that was when we hadn't, you know, there was no game for a week before that of any sort. You know, so we it would have rated its ass off on TV. But more than that, uh, the, the quality of character of the Australian cricket team as a parent you know, I'm sure there are some guys who have some morals in that team, uh, but this whole deal about, uh, you know, for argument's sake, oh, we won't support fossil fuels or whatever, but then they take betting from gambling agencies all the time. I mean, the hypocrisy is astonishing, you know. Uh, um, this and, and obviously the whole sandpaper thing, I mean, if, you know, that just smelts and, and it just leaves such a bad taste in the mouth. And look, I know the AFL is not perfect, but either they get kids who've actually got some moral fibre, mostly, or they train them about what's what's appropriate and what's not behaviour. I don't mean there aren't your Jordan Goeys, etc., but they train them properly. And so the public image of cricket is so much worse than footy, and it's and it's diminished in the last five years, in my opinion. Ross, I appreciate you taking the time to call. I don't think that players having an opinion on on issues means that they don't have moral fibre. I think it's the complete opposite. You might not agree with the stance they take, but that doesn't mean that they're immoral uh, in the taking of it. I certainly understand what you're saying in terms of uh, the gambling, but again, that's a personal uh, viewpoint on where you you plant your flag and and where you don't uh, on that. So I think you make a lot of great points, but I would disagree with you there that the, the, the cricketers have a, a uh, you know, a, an awful reputation as people. I don't think any of them are bad people um, in any way, shape or form. But but thank you for your call. I just would, would disagree with you on that last point there. Uh, Pete Sinson Kilda. G'day, Pete. G'day. Thanks for having me. Uh, just I, I couldn't agree less with most of the comments on here. And I think it comes down to one one or two simple things. Communication promotion the product is outstanding yeah you know the 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 recurring theme seems to be no one knew it was going on um so the product is great promote the product the players are great promote the promote the players yes um come on aussie come on yes uh, stirring up 
fervor <laughs> and excitement, and we're not doing that. It's simple communication. There'd be 30,000 people at the Adelaide Oval if people knew about it. We were all taken unawares, and it's just simply about promoting a beautiful product. The format doesn't have to change. You know, why did all the Indian and Pakistan um, fans just absolutely just gorge themselves on this experience because they're passionate about yeah. it. We just yep. need to whip that up again. Oh, Pete, you've got me whipped up. Come on, Aussie, come on. Absolutely. I love your work. Uh, $50 Brick Lane Brewing Voucher, Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale, respect for all occasions, the ultimate crowd pleaser, drink responsibly. Thanks so much for taking the time to call. That's uh, We're up and about now, just rediscovering the passion for the, <laughs> for the Australian gold. Uh, where are we going to? Cyril in Kensington Gardens. G'day, Cyril. Yeah, Sam. Look, I, I think it's a bit deeper the problem than what we all think. We just come off the pandemic, and what did we learn about Australia? We learned that we're six states and we're two territories. And the way we all behaved, the way the states behaved, how selfish and how they didn't unite and help work together, it's flowing through to sport. And now we've got a case where people are much more enthusiastic about their local team or their state team rather than the national team because we've just, we've just, poor, we've just forgotten that what we are as Australians and being united. And we saw it in the World Cup. Hardly any Australians turned up and, yep. and the, level of, the level of passion was nothing. And that's, I've, got, I've got a belief that the pandemic has had something to do with it. The way that we all behave, shut borders on each other, and it was just uh, terrible. Well, Cyril, maybe that's, uh, you know, we, we used to look to sport to unite us um, in, in times of trouble. And I think a lot of times in COVID, it was able to do that. It was sport that brought us together. It was sport that, you know, gave us our commonality with each other. So hopefully we can do that uh, again with our Australian cricket side. And it might be songs like this that help us do it. And the chapel's eyes have got that killer gleam. Come on, Aussie, come on, come on. Come on, Aussie, come on, come on. Come on As we go to the break, Adam Collins will join us next from SEN Cricket. Come on, Aussie. Come on, Aussie, come on. Mr Walker's playing havoc with the bats. Red Park, it's good to see you back. Ladies making runs, Dougie's chewing gum. Gilmore's Wilton Willow like an axe. Come on, Aussie, come on. Come Summer on. breakfast. Master Builders Victoria members get access to a wide range of expert advice and support services. Dwayne Dwell with Dwayne Russell. Well, I'm always fascinated when I'm about to speak to uh, one of our uh, cricketing experts or any expert in any sport where we get word that the first thing they want to talk about is a sport <laughs> completely different to what we got them on about. So Adam Collins, uh, SEN cricket commentator extraordinaire, uh, has jumped on today. But if you didn't know this about our man Colo, he's, uh, he is as proud and passionate a Hawthorne member and fan uh, and engaged as a Hawthorne member and fan as you will find. And... He sat there this morning uh, and listened to Jeff Kennett uh, speak to the boys on SEN Breakfast. <laughs> and that's the first thing he wants to speak about today. Colo, hello, mate. Uh, g'day, mate. I wouldn't quite characterise it as wanting to speak about it, but uh, <laughs> your producer asked me if I would answer a question on it. And look, uh, 
yeah, I did catch the interview. I suppose it's um, 45 minutes, so I'm not getting back. But kind of once you got beyond the, you know, rambling non sequiturs, there was some pretty sort of serious stuff there. I found it you know, quite sad that Jeff agreed yeah. to political tweets across the club, 15 million bucks of state government funding. And, yeah, it's, it's pretty clear why, therefore, we're, we're supporting Andy Gowers and James Molino and Maria Lou and Ed Sill that voting opens at 2 o'clock today. It's going to be a really important election. Yeah, it is. And, and in all seriousness, um, it, it was, I found it, and I'm a, a Hawks member as well. And, you know, to, to get on there and criticise Andy Gowers, believing he's made personal attacks and then proceed to spend 30 minutes personally attacking Andy Gowers, I I didn't think it was befitting of, of a club president. And it is a shame because of all the great that Jeff has done, the events in the last phase, especially in his first tenure as president, the events in the yep. last phase of the second tenure, I, I, I'm sad to say, I think we'll tarnish that a little bit. And there's an old saying, yeah. Colo, that you learn a lot about someone by the way they break up with you. Well, this breakup's getting pretty <laughs> ugly and it's getting pretty cheap. No, I completely agree with you. I mean, the first term of the Kenneth regime, if you like, going back a long time, his first six years, I think when he left there, it was with a degree of respect across the across the club and I mean, this time around, it's very much about putting the members back in the middle of all of this. So Andy Gowers and James Molino have spoken a lot about putting the club sort of before politics, and they'll have the club in the middle of all of that. Um, and yeah, hearing them, hearing Jeff criticise Andy and, and James because they're blokes as well. I mean, it was Jeff and Peter Dankerville's candidate who decided to put their two women on the board up for election this year and roll over Richie Vandenberg. They could have had uh, one of their existing board members rolled over for another year, but they chose to prioritise the man in, out of that out of that three-member uh, situation this year. So, yeah, it doesn't ring true. And it's also, yeah, as I say, worth noting that Hawks for Change, the group I'm associated with, we're enthusiastically supporting Maria Louie, who sounds like a perfect fit as a lawyer to come onto the board. I'll certainly be voting for her later today. Uh, Colo, great to get your thoughts on that. Hey, you were there last night. 15,000 people was a disappointing crowd, but it was anything but a disappointing performance from Australia. Strong start on the field to the Aussie cricket summer. The run chase was really impressive. Four for 66, they had the Palms in incomplete control. Milan then took back control uh, with his 134, but Warner Head and this new guy who I hadn't seen before. You know, his name's Steve Smith. That's not the same Steve Smith, is it, that I saw out there that we've seen become one of the best in the world and then in recent years um, go through a few little struggles? Yeah, Sam, I copped a whack last night when I sit on air. I think it's the best I've seen Steve Smith that for a couple of years. And what I mean by that is that I suppose when you watch and cover a lot of cricket as we do, aesthetically you can pick up when a player is really seeing it well. And mm. The way that Smith came out of the blocks last night, it was a, a pretty big departure from, well, maybe what we saw in the last Australian summer. There was a significant performance at Gaul where he made his first test century for 18 months earlier this year and 100 in Cairns against New Zealand. But this was like Steve Smith back to his very best. A lot of commentary around the fact that he's staying more still in the crease. So he has mm. made that technical adjustment in the middle of the year. Gone are the days of him going back and across to the sixth stump before greeting the ball. Um, gone are the gesticulations and the you know screaming, no run and all the carry-on. It seems like he's sort of got a clarity of purpose. He's back to a, yeah, a far more belt and braces Stephen Smith. And it suited him last night. 80 not out, deserved a ton ultimately the man that led them to a 1-0 uh, series lead. And I think Australian cricket needed that too, Sam, after the World Cup getting bundled out early, not making it to the semi-final stage. Just a bit of spring in their step towards the end of this series and into the Test matches starting on the 30th of November. We've been speaking in the first hour of the show about, and getting people to put their thinking caps on, about there's clearly a disconnect at the moment between people are voting with their feet and voting and the, the bums aren't on the seats that we've come to know and love and, 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 you know, expect when it comes to our Australian cricket side. So for whatever reason it might be, and there's people throwing up a ton of them, 
Yeah. Do, do you feel like there's got to be a, a restructuring of the international and our uh, Australian summer schedule to make sure that we not maybe not streamline, but make it easier to follow, um, make it, um, you know, really make it a more direct um, summer and schedule for people to get back on board and be able mm. to follow it along easily and then re-engage with it. Mm, I, I agree. It's a, uh sort of a Byzantine situation these days. Isn't it? You look at the schedule when they released it in May and you, you try and chart it through it. Even as a cricket journalist, it's hard to always have the thread of it. Now, it was complicated by a T20 World Cup this year in, in not the ideal time of the year, October into November. We can all concede that. As Sammy spent a couple of freezing cold nights in Geelong there calling <laughs> those games, for example. But Rap to be there, though. Rap to be there. Rap to be there. It was an absolute joy to be down there at the Cattery and I think they were a great World Cup venue as it happens. They, yeah, they were. They did a job. Splendid job, and I hope they get more international opportunities into the future. But that complicated it in this home summer. But over the last maybe 10 or 15 years, it's got more and more complex with the three formats, uh, with the big uh, window they need to give to the Big Bash League to give it primacy right in the middle of the summer for domestic cricket, which means by extension, the Shield is pushed to the margins of the calendar, which also isn't the ideal way of doing it if you were starting a fresh show. I agree. I mean, it's, I'm most sympathetic to schedulers, though, um, around the world. It's only getting tougher with cricket. You look at the blocks in the Future Tours program, it's like a game of Jenga. You pull out one and, and the whole power comes tumbling down. So uh, it's not a job I'd ever want, but um, I do think they're going to be forced to consider more of these issues in about five years' time. The Future Tours program came out a couple of months ago, and that's scrappy to say the least, uh, but... Um, what's easy to detect there is that some nations are playing roughly the same amount of test cricket, so Australia, India, England, and some nations are playing dramatically less than they have played. For, for example, South Africa. I'm really worried about South Africa mm. and where they might be as a test-playing nation in five or six years' time because it's going to be harder and harder for the, uh, for the South African administrators to keep their players nationally contracted when they've got so many opportunities to earn a lot more money around the world playing in domestic T20 comps and with the IPL now owning clubs in South Africa, in the UAE, those two tournaments both starting this or this coming January. I'm sure it won't be long before the IPL owners also have a stake in the 100 in England, maybe even in the Big Bash if they allow private equity. So it's getting more and more complex and, and I agree, probably therefore harder to follow. We've only got about a minute before we've got to let you go, Colo. But is there something in the way that the, the women's tours get structured at the moment? Because they do play less tests and we don't want to see that. But certainly there is something in the way that they go into tests, a one-dayer, and then a T20 with the team that comes out to visit. Is there something in that that can be taken into the men's game to make it a more simple tour to follow and engage in where we might do three tests, three one-dayers, three T20s? I'm a big fan of the multi-format series where it's possible. Harder to do when Australia and England and India are involved when they want to play more test test cricket against each other. But the series like the one coming up against the West Indies, well, they played three T20s against them three months ago before the World yes. Cup or two months ago. Who remembers them? Yeah. And there will be other one days slotted in the schedule at some stage. As you say, grouping them together might get us back to how it was when, I suppose when we were kids, when there was some continuity yeah. from December through to February, which, yeah, we lack a little bit these days. Uh, Colo, thanks so much. Great to have you on. Really appreciate uh, your time and, and looking forward to hearing you and Jared and the whole team in action uh, tomorrow in Sydney. So we can't wait for that. Uh, thanks, Sam. Have a good show. Uh, great to have Adam Collins, uh, SEN Cricket, tomorrow from 2 o'clock, uh, Australia and England from the SCG. SEN have to follow along. You might miss a moment. SEN is your home of cricket this summer, and we couldn't be prouder for the fact. Back after this. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale, brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink responsibly. 
access to the best in construction industry training? Call Master Builders Victoria today. Afternoons on SEN. The Werribee Key Open line is always exactly that, open for business. Midday Madness promise lives on even when Dwayne is not here. Trout's in Woodend. G'day, Trout. Hello, SEN. Uh, just about the, the, the players. I suppose I called Coxie about three weeks ago and we're talking about the Australian cricket team about to shine off them, how they've, it's, they've lost that, that edge that everyone loved in that. Now, our, our, our cricket heroes and have lost the connection with grassroots um, clubs and fans and all that sort of stuff. Most other sports all go out and do schools and communities, and it's in the local papers or it's in the social media or it's on or it's on the in the on the news. Um, I just think that's the problem where they are at the moment. I'll ask you a question though: What percentage of fans or um, crowd do you think is down? Because since the sand, uh, sandpaper gate. It's a good question. I'd, I'd want to go look at the numbers, but, but I think it's evident the crowds are down trout. I thought we'd recovered a little bit, but we seem to have fallen away again. It's a good question you ask. And maybe those uh, who are regularly attending cricket might tell me that in a little bit more detail. Um, afternoons for SEN Master Builders. Master Builders Victoria supporting businesses in residential, commercial and civil construction. News time. Need help getting your builder's registration? Call Master Builders Victoria today to discuss our member support program. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Uh, looking forward to spending another couple of hours with you. Sam Hargraves in the chair for Dwayne Russell. Midday Madness promise lives on in his absence. Uh, you can call us on the Werribee Kia open line. Awarded National Kia Dealer Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars Easy, that number, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. You can text in at any time, 0433981116 on the 40 Winks temper text. Consumer choice winner, temper mattresses, pillows, and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. Big second hour coming up, but about 20 to 2 uh, from MBL, from the NBL, uh, Liam Santa Maria is going to join us. So uh, it was moving day during the FIBA window when uh, proceedings just halted for a little while. There was a little break in play for the international schedule and the NBL season. And there was some pretty big moves made in that time. And, and also just speak uh, 24 hours on from the incredibly courageous and brave public announcement of Isaac Humphrey that he um, has become the first openly gay uh, basketball player, we think, in the world, but uh, certainly uh, in the NBL and uh, what effect that's had on the competition. And uh, he, they played last night. Melbourne United went down to the Adelaide 36ers. So looking forward to catching up uh, with Liam Santa Maria. I want to play you a, a few of the grabs, extended grabs, from Hawthorne President Jeff Kennett's chat this morning with David King and Sam Edmund on SEN Brecky. Plenty to dissect there. And, and to get your view on it, even if you're not a, a Hawthorne member or fan, it's it's getting pretty messy. And that's really disappointing that this is where it's ended up um, with a presidential election uh, looming and, and voting uh, about to commence for that. Um, I was speaking to Adam Collins about that a little earlier and uh, talking about the fact that in that interview, you'll hear that Jeff admitted that maybe some of his tweets directed at the... Uh, the Dan Andrews-led Labor government may have cost uh, Hawthorne the $15 million, which Andy Gowers has uh, put that squarely uh, at the feet of Jeff Kennett uh, with Dingley uh, breaking ground yesterday. Um, 
and there's mixed views and, and a, a variety of opinions coming through on that. And we just discussed the fact that for every bit of good that Jeff Kennett's done, has been a, a phenomenal president in so many different ways, but the last phase of it seems to have been mired in, in controversy and, um, and that recency bias um, maybe and may, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, may tarnish uh, a legacy. And um, some texts that have come through from some SEN luminaries, which I'm glad that they have, because perspective is a wonderful thing in all of this. Um, and I mentioned that perhaps um, some of the behaviour is not befitting of, of a, a current president that's happening at the moment in the personal attacks that are going on. And I'm glad to hear from the five-time day, five-time night, uh, Dermot Brereton, who said, not getting state government funding for Dingley is entirely on the state government. Punishing an organisation simply because the Premier has an issue with a former Premier is petulant and unbecoming of a state Premier. So that's the other side of the coin from Derm, where, yep, it was not befitting of, it probably wasn't in the best interest of Hawthorne for Jeff to go on the attack on the state government, but should that have stopped the state government in providing that funding? It's a good point raised. And then Matty Rendell, Sammy Hawks have $100 million in the bank and Kennett procured $6 million a year from Tassie government every year in a very short period. Wealthiest club in the AFL, be careful what you wish for. Who else could have done that? Uh, so appreciate uh, from those two learned gentlemen uh, those views and those texts. So have you say on that, the uh, Werribee Key open line or the 40 Winks temper text. Um, let's turn our attention to this, though. The little master has given us so much joy with his family. You're looking at a player walking off. We've been really privileged to see this man play over the last 15 years. And he's, uh, there'll be plenty to say that he's uh, been the greatest of all time. And um, he's warranted that accolade. So that was the final time that Gary Ablett Jr., and you heard in the commentary there, uh, a man that will be in the conversations as one of the greatest ever, played his final AFL game. Uh, it was in Geelong's 31-point loss to Richmond in the 2020 AFL Grand Final. He injured his shoulder in that game, came back out to play. Um, that was his last game, and for injury reasons and also personal reasons with things that were happening with his family and his beautiful son, he decided to step away from the game, Gary Ablett Jr. Well, he will make his return to football uh, this weekend, uh, playing for Palmerston in the NTFL, uh, the Northern Territory Football League. You can watch it all on communitytv.com.au. And Carl Pfeiffer is up in the uh, NT at the moment, the communitytv.com.au, community with a K editor. And he's been good enough to jump on the line with us. Carl, hello, mate. G'day, Sam. How are you going? Oh, look, I'm great. Um, how abuzz is Darwin right now with the fact that the little master... Uh, Gary Ablett Jr., the two-time Brownlow medal winner, is about to take the field uh, in the NTFL. Yeah, look, I think there's a lot of excitement uh, happening up here at the moment. Obviously, uh, they, they had Eddie Betts uh, come up um, last season, and there was a fair bit of fanfare about that. Um, one of uh, my journalists uh, had a chat with, with Sean Bowden uh, this morning, um, RFLNT chairman, and, and he was saying ticket sales, uh, you know, rivaling if, if not... Uh, you know, better than than the Eddie Betts, um, you know, uh, game up here. So fair bit of fair bit of buzz and excitement. I'm actually on the road at the moment, uh, going to an SEN function where where Gary's going to be doing the Q and A. So um, yeah, should should be good fun. We've already got texts coming through from people in the NT. Sammy, I can't wait to watch Gary again. The absolute goat. Very glad my Tigers gave him the farewell walk-off he deserved uh, from a Tigers fan in the Northern Territory. So for those who aren't aware, how did this all come about, Carl, from your understanding that, that, that Gary Ablett's return to footy is going to be with Palmerston in the NTFL? Yeah, so from my understanding, he's, he's good mates with Matty Stokes, obviously a, a, a very good... Um, 
Geelong player in his own right. Um, and Matty Stokes has got quite close ties to Palmerston. I believe he played uh, junior footy for Palmerston before he cracked into the AFL. Um, so Matty Stokes was keen to, to come up here and have a have a run with Palmo and, and asked, um, asked his good mate Gaz if, if he was keen as well. So um, they've been up, uh, as I understand, up in uh, Papua New Guinea um, doing some community work up there. Um, so they've been been training there as well, apparently, in anticipation for this game. So, um, you know, uh, Gaz's close ties with, with Matty Stokes, I think, was, was enough to, to get him over the line to, to have a return to footy. Now, Carl, I remember when I was still playing country footy. That's how long ago I can recall. But I used to always hear that blokes around the leagues that I was playing in uh, or sitting on the bench in um, were heading up uh, in the summer to go and play in the NTFL. So it's for a long time been a draw and ca- a draw card of suburban and country footy players around the country. But in recent years, the, the competition has really grown and its ability to attract you know, state-level players, former AFL players, to come up uh, and play a season there. The, the league is actually growing exponentially. Can you talk to us about a little? Uh, talk to us uh, a little bit about that. Yeah, look, as we were talking about um, off-air, Sam, it's, it's become a real destination league up here. Um, obviously, with, with the fact that it, it runs in, you know, the, the summer of, of down south in, in Victoria and, and South Australia, you know, a lot of, what of the gun country footballers, um, you know, and even and Sample and, and BFL footballers, um, you know, came for, for a couple of games in the off-season, we'll, we'll get flown up to play. But, you know, in recent years, we've really seen an expansion of the... the XFL players, you know, even this season we've had some some big names playing in, in the NPFL. So Mitch Robertson to the, the Darwin Buffaloes, Harley Bennell and Mad Jack Dore have been playing for the Tiwi Bombers. Uh, you know, Palmerston itself has had Neville Jetta, Eddie Bett, um, a few Travis Varco as well. Um, Stephen Motlop's been playing for Wanderers. Uh, Nightclips had a few in, in John Butcher. Um, Ryan Nyhouse, who played a few games for Fremantle, Southern Districts, has got Cam Ellis-Yolman. So, you know, the list goes on. There's, you know, there's a lot of um, talent up here find their trade, and it just makes for a really good spectacle. Um, and, you know, it attracts the fans as well. And obviously, um, community TV has, has been live-streaming all the games. So they've been, uh, you know, attracting a lot of viewers as well from, from down south who, you know, that appetite for footy in the off-season is still pretty strong. So a lot of people sort of tuning in and, and keen to, to catch a few games. Now, I just had a little crackle in my uh, in my, um, in my my headphones here. But did you mention Mitch Robinson as well? Because every post I see of his Instagram at the moment, he is absolutely loving his time uh, at the Bulls. Um, how's, uh, how's Mitch's brand of footy been received um, in the local league there? Yeah, well, you know, we all know how Mitch, Mitch loves to play. He's very gung-ho and, and, and loves the contest. Um, so I think, you know, he's, he's a great personality off the field as well. So I think they've really embraced him um, too. But, you know, as you were saying through the social media, I think for a lot of players that come up here, it's a real lifestyle thing. Yeah. So, it's you know, you, you come up for a game of footy, but you obviously got that great territory lifestyle up here where you can go out, go fishing, you can, you know, all these um, great a- outdoor activities. Um, so it's more than just coming up and playing a game of footy. It's, you know, it's, it's, uh, you, you know, you can go. It's, it's more like a sort of a holiday or recreation, really, as well as, as squeezing in a, a game of footy. So, um, you know, that's that's why I think it's so appealing, and 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 so many um, good players are coming up here. All right. So, Carl, where can people uh, watch who can't be there, and what time should they be tuning in? 
So communitytv.com.au. Also, the NT News is, will be running the stream as well. So ntnews.com.au. And I believe the game is starting uh, about, about sort of 6.30. Um, so that would be probably about 7.30 Victorian time. So by all means, tune in. Um, it should be really good and bumper crowd expected as well. Uh, looking forward to that tonight. Carl Pfeiffer from communitytv.com.au. The Little Masters return to footy. It's a special occasion, uh, and I'm sure that they will turn up and turn out in droves to witness that and all the other talent, Matty Stokes and Eddie Betts, uh, who are rolling through as well. Uh, Carl, thanks for coming on and setting the scene for us. Greatly appreciated. No worries, Sam. Thanks for having me, mate. Cheers communitytv.com.au. Afternoons on SEN for Master Builders. Master Builder Victoria supporting businesses in residential, commercial and civil constructions. The Midday Madness promise you call, you get on. For Melbourne Roadside Rescue, wrong fuel extraction, search up ship, S-H-I-P, creek.com.au. Uh, put the wrong fuel in your car, visit up ship, creek.com.au. Um, when we come back, I'll play you some grabs of Jeff Kennett's interview this morning with SEN Breakfast Kingy and Sam. Uh, this is Afternoons on SEN. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Man, here we go. I am delivering this message with boundless love and boundless reverence and respect and boundless pride. For my boys, my Usos, the Toa Samoa rugby team, they are going to the men's final of the Rugby League World Cup. This is a big deal. They are making history in the world of sports, in the world of rugby. This is the first time that uh, our island, our country, our culture of Samoa has ever gone to the finals. Uh, For any sport, they are making history and I could not be more proud of them. We could not be more proud of them. And I, I, I'm, I just want to say a few things. The pressure to deliver, the pressure to perform, you have the world watching and you have so much on your shoulders. Right now you are proud grandsons, proud sons, proud husbands, proud fathers, proud teammates, proud brothers, proud Usos. There's a- uh, that was The Rock. Dwayne Johnson uh, sending uh, love and a message of support for Samoa ahead of the Rugby League World Cup final. His mother is Samoan um, and therefore he has Samoan heritage and uh, was very keen to get behind the Samoan team, which has been the story of this World Cup uh, over in England at the moment. Australia will take on Samoa 3am Sunday morning in the men's and then on the women's side of the draw, Australia take on New Zealand 12.15am on Sunday morning. So another World Cup going on at the moment. But uh, that's that would I reckon that would give you a, a bit of a lift, wouldn't it, if you were the Samoan team and the Rock, uh, the Brahma Bull, is getting in there behind you. Um, wonder if we might see some rock bottoms, maybe some people's elbows uh, out there, if, if you can just find a way to work one in just to say, hey, we, we got your message, we appreciate it. Well, the Samoan team, that'll be a cracking game uh, for the rugby league fans out there. Samoa have been electric uh, in this tournament. They are stacked with talent. Big Penrith Panthers connection, of course. And Australia looking to win it for the 12th 
time. They've dominated the Rugby League World Cup. Um, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. The Werribee Kia open line. We're awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. There are a ton of forty winks temper techs coming through. Consumer choice winner temper mattresses, pillows, and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. Can you smell what the rock is cooking? Uh, that's come through off the text. Nicely done. Hey, Cons in Melbourne. Before we get to Tristan Merlihan from Top Sport, who wants to speak about the Hawks. G'day, Con. Yeah, good day, Sam. Uh, I've got a couple of points that I'd like to make. Sure. And uh, the first one is that um, would you say that uh, the director of football is the eyes and ears to the board uh, regarding football matters? Uh, I'd say they'd be one of them, yeah. They're the, the direct line between the board and uh, the football department. Because that's their only uh, avenue to the football department. And Andrew Gowers was actually director of football during the time in question. Um, it's interesting that Andrew Newbold has stepped down from the commission because he was president, but he was relying on Andrew Gowers to actually uh, uh, keep him informed during that time. That's point number one. Point number two, um, Ian Silk was part of the Hawks for Change during um, uh, 21. Uh, when the, uh, the Hawks for Change were jumping up and down for Hawthorne to sell their pokey. Hawthorne board remained quite strong during that period and waited until it was advantageous to sell, and that's why they got record sales. Ian Silk, that was part of Hawks for Change, has actually endorsed the current board and the people that the current board are putting together uh, because uh, he feels that there's a diverse... Um, uh, set of uh, skill base. So, you know, uh, people are saying that Jeff has been critical. However, people have been critical of Jeff. But as, so with that, just a couple of things on that con, Andy Gowers has been asked about his time there at, at uh, when he was at the Hawthorne during the time that's under investigation currently um, as we speak. He's denied having any knowledge of the events that, that took place. Jeff's made a point of trying to link Andy to that time as well. But then today on SEN said that Andy didn't actually do anything and the players didn't even know who he is. Um, so bit of bit, there's conflicting, I suppose, points of view coming on that particular part of it uh, from from Jeff in that space. Um, and you do raise some you know points about the money and, and all that. And there's, as I said, there's been a lot of good that's come um, from from what Jeff Kennett and this board have been able to do, there's also a lot that hasn't been great. Um, and at the moment, you've got a club in conflict. And the point I would make is that if Jeff believes that there are people that are coming after, if he believes that Andy Gowers is going negative um, and that James Molino is going negative, then as the current president, though, and and then looking to champion the, the changeover to Peter Nankerville, then doesn't it befit him to be to take the higher ground? To, to not get down into the mud slinging and the muck raking, if he believes that what, what that's what it is. But on the you can't get on and say, well, they're going personal and then spend the next 30 minutes denigrating someone's contribution to the Hawthorne Football Club. It's 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 hypocritical. That would that would be my point to to what you raise there about about that. No, we've lost Con. Thanks for calling Con though. I really appreciate it. Just the fact that it has got to a point where it is as divisive as it is is is, is the really sad part for the Hawthorne Footy Club. 
Um, we'll get to Dean in Harvey Bay in just a moment, but Tristan Merlihan from Top Sports uh, is back with us to just let us know what the markets are doing ahead of the weekend. Top Sport, home of the Top Sports betting multi-gamble responsibly, one 858 Tristan, mate, we'll start with the Rugby League World Cup, Australia in the men's and the women's. Yeah, g'day, Sam. And yeah, it should be a cracking uh, weekend of foot rugby league over there in England where the Aussie men are $1.08 favourites against Samoa, who are $7.50 and 19 and a half is the line. We've got over 100 markets up. The most popular is always the, to score a try market where Josh Adokar, he's been on fire. He's $1.50 to score a try. Valentine Holmes, one eighty one, And Latrell Mitchell's seen a bit of support at $2.12. And then the Women's World Cup, as you say, the Gillaroos are $1.15 favourites. New Zealand, Ferns only just got over the line against the English. They're $5.50 and 14 and a half. But there has been a push for the plus into $1.80 in that game. Uh, what about in the AFLW preliminary finals this weekend? Yeah, it should be a couple of really good matches where tonight we see the Lions take on the Crows. Lions firm favourites, $1.16. The Crows, $4.80 and 17 and a half is the line. High scoring match expected uh, for, for this game. 71 and a half the total points, which is one of the highest numbers we've seen so far this season. And then tomorrow we see the Demons take on the Kangaroos. $1.28 Melbourne, three forty North Melbourne, and 11 and a half is the line. So the Demons firm favourites in that game. And some early markets for the FIFA Soccer World Cup. Yeah, we, this kicks off Monday morning first game of the tournament where the host Qatar take on Ecuador. $3.20 Qatar, two forty three Ecuador and three oh five the draw. And all eyes will be on the Aussies-France game, which is Wednesday morning at 6 o'clock where France, they've got a couple of injury concerns. The, they're $1.26 favourites. The draw $6 and $10 the Aussies. So uh, certainly a chance of causing an upset there, I feel, for the Aussies. Uh, Tristan Merlihan, always a pleasure, mate. Never a chore. We'll speak to you soon. Speak soon. Top Sport, home of the sports betting multi. Download the Top Sport app today. Gamble responsibly. 1-800-858-858. A couple coming through off the text. Uh, The 40 Winks temper text. Ian Silk wasn't a part of Hawks for Change. However, he was endorsed by Hawks for Change last year. And there's a lot coming through uh, in relation to the Hawthorne, I suppose, presidential um, election that's really taken on more of a political election than it has a football club uh, election. It's it's getting nasty and that's uh, that does nobody any favours. Um, just before we get to the news, Dean in Harvey Bay. Hello, Dean. Mate, Sammy, how are you, bud? All the better for speaking to you, Dino. Oh, thanks, mate. <laughs> listen, I, I, I respect your position on, on this because you're a good author, man. I listen to you all the time. But, mate, what I don't understand is is what are Andy Gower's credentials? Like, like I understand what Hawks for Change are trying to achieve. They want to change things. Um, but from what I can gather, all they want to change is Jeff Kennett. Now, Jeff Kennett's not going to be there. Jeff Kennett and his attitude in the media, I don't think any Hawthorne supporter loves the way he acts all the time. But what he's done for the club is unquestioned. Mm. Yep. Um, and when it comes to when it comes to some of the hot topics at the moment, like the racism issue, um, you know, and these big ticket items like the transition from Clarko, all the hard decisions have been done, right? Have been made. Now people don't want to hear talking too much talking. They don't want to hear from politicians anymore. Well, James Molino is a politician, and all Andy Gowers does is talk. What are his actual policies? What is he going to change, mate? Well, I think it's worthwhile, and this is one of the things that that. I think it's been really good about what Jared's done by having Peter Nankerville on. And then he had Andy Gowers on as well. And then the boys this morning had Jeff Kennett on as well. So by listening to those SEN.com that I think it goes a long way to helping any Hawthorne member who's about to vote to, to be able to get a sense from each of the candidates, as well as the outgoing president on, on where things stand uh, for them. 
Um, I'm I'm a little conflicted on it all, Dean, to be honest. Um, you talk about James Molino being a politician. Well, that's what Jeff was as well. And Jeff's even admitted today that it's his politics that forced the late night tweets, the, the you know, the, the, the criticisms of the Andrews government, um, which rightly or wrongly, and Derm's texting saying those shouldn't have cost Hawthorne 15 million. And so I can see both sides of that argument. That doesn't help Hawthorne in any way, shape or form when the job of the president is to foster those relationships and to make sure that, you know, you are doing those deals in the best interest of the football club, not in the best interest of your political leanings. Um, so whilst they have been to Hawthorne's detriment, I understand the argument to say, well, should they have been? Should that have come between the state government giving Hawthorne that $15 million? And whether or not it's going to continue to, maybe when, once Jeff is gone, that $15 million will be forthcoming. So, yep, James Molino was a politician. So too was Jeff. Um, so I, yeah, I, I'd probably just pick you up on that part there. But as a Hawthorne member, mate, are you a bit disappointed to see where this has descended to with the tit for tat, the back and forth? The It's getting personal now between people who have served the club. Um, Andy Gow is the premiership player. He was a football director as well. He clearly loves the football club. And so too does Jeff and so too does Peter Nankerville. But this is where we found ourselves, people calling into question other people's contribution to the club. Yeah, mate, this, this is exactly what I was saying. So, yeah, Jeff was a politician and so is James Molino coming in. I'm asking what what do what do the what do the Hawks for change want to change? Because of the way I see it, there's been too much talking, too much politics. The thing I like about Peter Nankerville is he brings a skill set. We need someone strong at the top who has a background in. He's a lawyer for crying out loud. That's exactly what we need in the in, in the fact that we're negotiating big deals. We're dealing with these um, the racism crisis, I'd call it. Um, that's that's shadow. There's a big shadow over the club. At the end of the day, when it comes to the money. Ned's dad said yesterday at the launch that the Hawthorne facilities are 100% funded. The only thing that's not getting funded is the community side of things. So that's the state government's problem. If they want Hawthorne to expand to support the local community, that money is what, that's what that money's going to, mate. So as a member, I'm happy with, what, with the, the way it stands at the moment, what they've done and all the decisions they've made to get us where we are right now. What happened with the racism thing? They're, they're still just allegations. And that happened under Andy's watch as well, mate. He was there, you know, and I think everyone understands that that's a really touchy subject and I don't think it's really got anything to do with Peter Nankerville. Um, Dean, I appreciate your call and appreciate the passion. Just on Andy's background, uh, about 27 years uh, in business development, public relations, just going off his LinkedIn. That's uh, where I've had to have a look. Um, 22 years in the financial services industry. So he comes from a financial background um, is what I think the skill set that he believes that he's bringing. But I, I do appreciate the call. love the passion. Uh, it's a big election to take place. And it's a, it's a fair question you ask. What are you bringing to the table? What do you want to change other than the fact that you just want change? Um, so it's uh, it's good to get that view as well. And there's others who say that if Peter Nankerville is just an extension of, of and Peter Nankerville's been at pains to say that that's not the case, but just an extension of what the Jeff Kennett era was. So where do you sit on all that? Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Uh, all I know is it's not great for anyone that the footy club, when it's got to the point that it has, where it's got personal. Um, news time. A-Rod's melancholy mix on a Friday afternoon. It speaks of 
lost love and uh, unrequited love and <laughs> romances that may have been. Um, Rod doing a brilliant job uh, on the buttons. Hey, um, we've got to get to Liam Santa Maria. Running a little bit late for that. We always want to make sure we take your calls. That's the midday madness promise. But for Tobin Brothers Funerals, uh, they're celebrating lives. You can call up and give a shout-out to someone for their birthday. Um, a couple of sports birthdays. Uh, in 1975, David Ortiz, Dominican Baseball Hall of Famer. Uh, first base uh, uh, was a Major League All-Star. Won World Series three times. Uh, World Series MVP with the Boston Red Sox. Uh, it's his birthday today. And former New South Wales cricketer Jason Arnberger celebrating birthdays today. So happy birthday to those two gents. And if you want to give a, uh, a Tobin Brothers birthday shout-out, you can do so. Uh, Tobin Brothers are celebrating lives. Call up and give a shout-out to someone for their birthday. It's a family-owned business since 1934. Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. Um, there, I've got the, this is the weirdest text I've got all day, by the way. Um, hey, mate. Old Elmore Boys Christmas catch-up is on the 3rd of December uh, and it's given me the location and, and the time. Um, I looked at the number. That's my best mate's phone number. Has texted in to the 40 Winks temper text to let me know about uh, the Elmore Footy Club, the old boys catch-up for Christmas. My phone's sitting right next to me, by the way, and the bloke who I was best man at his wedding, nothing on there, he's texted through to the 40 Winks temper text. You idiot, Adam. Uh, back with Liam Santa Maria after this. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale, brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink responsibly. Access to the best in construction industry training. Call Master Builders Victoria today. Afternoons on SEN. Uh, midday Madness is still alive and well. Melbourne's roadside rescue. Put the wrong fuel in your car. Visit up shipcreek.com. Um, if you haven't had the chance to be able to go and watch uh, the video that Melbourne United, the NBL, and many, many people in the basketball and sporting world have been sharing, Isaac Humphrey's Melbourne United Centre uh, spent some time in the NBA on two-way contracts, um, bravely fronted his teammates yesterday. And among many things, uh, one of the quotes that he said is that, I attempted to take my life and the main reason behind me becoming so low and being in that point is because I was very much struggling with the sexuality and coming to terms with the fact that I'm gay. It was um, an incredibly powerful, um, it was difficult to hear at times, especially parts like that. And don't forget Lifeline 13, 11, 14. Um, but there was a triumphant feel to what he spoke about. There was a a, a sense of celebration to be able to be honest about who he was and to be able to live his life uh, feeling unshackled from from that truth about who he was and the way in which the basketball community has rallied, the sporting community has rallied and supported as well, has been um, nothing short of um, incredible. Um, to speak about that and to speak about just all the goings-on in basketball right now, um, Liam Santa Maria, NBL analyst, to hear him uh, on all the big games for the NBL broadcast has been good enough to jump on. Liam, hello to you. Afternoon, Sam. Good to be with you. Great to be with you. Proud day um, for the NBL and for men's sport, really, yesterday. Yeah, it was. Um, it, was uh, it was It was. pretty big, wasn't it? It was brave and courageous stuff from, from Isaac Humphreys. And um, you're right, the reception from, from his team and from um, his uh, his opponents, the guys he plays against in the NBL, the entire basketball community, really here in Australia, but right across the globe, um, was was really heartening to see. You know, just great support and admiration for Isaac. Um, look, hopefully we get to a point 
within um, you know society and professional sport, professional male team sport, where where this will become no longer a thing and and it won't be yeah. necessary to to do that. But you know we're not there yet, to be honest. And certainly you know as the first and the really the only openly gay uh, player in professional men's basketball right across the world, um, he really is a, a blazing a trail and. Uh, he spoke in in that conversation with his team about wanting to set an example for mm. for other people um, who might have been going through similar struggles to what he'd been dealing with, and and um, you know to set a really proud um, you know obvious example for them to follow to to be true to themselves and lead their best life. So really empowering stuff for yeah. Isaac, and and well done to him. Um, it it was um, I was interested to see. Um, I was interested to see yesterday um, that Ian Roberts, who's done the same thing many years ago in rugby league, uh, said that this will help save lives. Um, mm. Josh Cavallo from uh, Adelaide United did so in, in soccer last year. Uh, did something similar. I, I wanted to ask you, Liam, for us in the media, mm. because there's mm. a belief that maybe the reason why not more men, why more men, men haven't been forthcoming with this is because whilst they do want to, you know, do what they can to help, in that space, like Ian Roberts said, save lives. Mm. The concern might be that for the, for now until the end of time, because we all want to, because in the media, we do want to be supportive and pro and, and positive about this and get behind and rally behind. Um, but in our enthusiasm to do that, every time that Isaac Humphreys is going to do something now, the, the tendency might be to report on him as, you know, he could win, he could shoot the three that wins the, the title and the, and, and the byline will be, um, Isaac Humphrey's the first openly gay player, scores the winning. Is it incumbent on us as a media, two of you have said now, to be, as you say, supportive, but also to now normalise it and not over-sensationalise? So, yes, take the benefits where we can to, to inspire other young men to feel like you can be who you want to be and sport will accept you for it, but mm. not overdo it to the sense where that this is the only part of his identity that gets put next to his name every time. Is that... I think you understand what I'm trying to say. Is that a responsibility of ours now in the media as well? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a really interesting and good point that you make. And, and I think that that's what Isaac would want, really, mm. in terms of the kind of coverage of him. He's being, you know, he's being forthright in saying, you know, I do at this, at this stage now want to be open and, and, and honest and forthright about, you know, who I am and, and my sexuality to, in order to set that example for others. But you're right. Then there comes a point where he's Isaac Humphreys, the professional basketball player, and his private life yep. is his private life. And, and you move beyond that. You accept him for exactly who he is, just like you accept every other player for exactly who they are. And um, when they're on the basketball court, you marvel at their athletic abilities and, and what they bring to the table. So you're right. I think it's a good point. And something for those people in the media and, and, and also fans alike to keep in mind as as we move forward and support Isaac in his basketball career. Melbourne United went down to Adelaide last night and the Perth had a win uh, over the Phoenix. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on the movement that occurred during the FIBA window. So surprisingly, uh, Randall, who was the import for Adelaide 36ers, who was massive in that win um, when they beat... Um, I've just had a mental blank now. Phoenix Suns. Uh, the Phoenix, thank you. The Phoenix Suns, uh, the NBA side, and Brisbane have sacked an import as well. There's been a bit of movement. Marcus Lee joining United. Uh, get mm-hmm. us up to speed on who's gone where, what, and why. Yeah, well, you're right. A few import changes around the league. Craig Randall, as you say, put 35 points on the Phoenix Suns in that historic win for Adelaide. And now he's gone. 
uh, just six rounds into the NBL season. But it's addition by subtraction here for Adelaide. Um, wasn't really getting along with the team. Wasn't a team player um, in many senses of the word. And uh, geez, we saw last night against Melbourne United, that ball was popping around. Um, they haven't replaced him just yet. They're going to take their time to find the right guy. But in the meantime, they're still loaded with talent and you know, they were able to have a good spread of scoring. Four guys in double figures. Robert Franks looking like an MVP caliber player. And they beat Melbourne United. You're right. Melbourne have moved on from Jordan Caroline. They were underperforming um, four man that they signed. And they've replaced him with Marcus Lee, an American who played with Isaac Humphries at Kentucky years back. Uh, has been playing in Europe 6'11", 7'3", wingspan. A lob threat, an athlete. And he's going to come in. May even play some minutes. Tomorrow in the throwdown against South East Melbourne. And then we wait with bated breath to see what might else happen around the league. There's been a report from Olgan Ulick from ESPN that Illawarra have, are about to move on from one of their imports, George King. We know the Brisbane Bullets are in the import market again right now, looking to replace Devondrick Walker. So it's that point in the season where there is a little bit of moving and shaking within the rosters as teams try to get themselves right to make a playoff run. Um, the season's going along very, very nicely. And, of course, the coverage is a major part of that, which you are a major part of that. Um, just moving away from the NBL for a moment, the, the talk around Ben Simmons and Boomers for, for the next World Cup, where does that sit with you? He had his best game probably for the year. I think it was the Nets' last game, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Slowly starting to get back into his groove, maybe, after two years out of the game. Where does that sit with you? Well, I had a fascinating conversation with Brian Gorgian, head coach of the Boomers, oh, uh, yesterday on the Huddle podcast. You can check that out now. And um, I asked him about that. I said, well, what, what, where does it sit with Ben? Um, is it a conversation for the upcoming World Cup next year? Or do you think it's more realistic to, to look towards Paris in 2024? And he said, well, the beautiful thing about sport is it's a visual thing. You get out on the floor, everyone can see you play, and everyone can see how you're going. And uh, the fact is, Ben is now back out on the floor. We can do that. He's 10 games into this season. And you're right, he's still trying to become Ben Simmons again and have the kind of impact on the floor that we used to see him have. And Brian Gorgian is keeping a really close eye on it. And uh, he was pretty guarded in his comments, but basically gave the, the um, essence of saying he's going to need to play his way into the team. There's a medal-winning Boomers team at the Olympics last year, and they're going to be going for gold um, when they lace them up for the World Cup next season. And Ben, we love the fact that he wants to don the green and gold at some point, but um, it's going to be a lot of talent on that squad, and he's going to need to be fit and firing and playing well to make that team. Liam, you're always so generous with your time, mate. I greatly appreciate it. We'll uh, see you in action at Tassie, New Zealand tonight, and then Phoenix, Melbourne, Brisbane, Cairns, and New Zealand, Adelaide as well. We've got another throwdown um, happening this weekend, which is great uh, on Saturday. As I mentioned, Phoenix and Melbourne, you'll be in the thick of it. We'll uh, look forward to catching up with you soon. Cheers, Sam. Always good to chat. Liam Santa Maria from the NBL. We'll tidy up the hour on the other side of this. Your text on the 40 Winks Temper text, and you can call any time on the Werribee Kia open line. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale. Brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink responsibly. Access to the best in construction industry training. Call Master Builders Victoria today. Afternoons on SEN. Ah, yes, indeed. Another big hour to spend with you before I hand over to Cam Luke filling in for Andy and Andrew Gaze. 
for the run home at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, afternoons on SEN for Master Builders. If you want the best in industry training, contact Master Builders uh, Victoria. Um, interested to get your thoughts. We're going to have to do a lost in the wash, uh, I reckon, for Identify, be a specialist in asbestos and hazardous materials assessment because we've been speaking a lot about cricket and what we do to try and fix uh, just try and maybe streamline, maybe try and just uh, recalibrate the uh, the Australian cricket summer after only 15,000 turned up to see uh, Australia and England, the old enemy, the greatest rivalry in cricket in the one day, the first of the three-game series. Uh, SEN bring it to you brilliantly last night. Uh, Australia with a six-wicket win tomorrow afternoon, game two in Sydney. You won't miss a moment on that. SEN app, make sure you've got it. Um, so a lot of t- calls and texts coming through on the Werribee Care open line and also the uh, the 40 Winks temper text. We've been speaking a fair bit about the Hawks as well, Jeff Kennett on SEN Breakfast today. So it hasn't given us a whole lot of time on some other topics. So if you've got something that you think is lost in the wash, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We're going to cross over to Qatar in Doha. We'll speak to Adam Peacock and uh, just get the vibe, uh, just get the lay of the land ahead of uh, the uh, FIFA World Cup starting uh, just after midnight on Monday morning, Australia's first game, 3 a.m. Wednesday morning against the reigning champions, France. Uh, so we'll look forward to catching up with, Geez, uh, how ocker did I sound then? France, our country bumpkin. Did that? I just heard that back through my own headphones and went, geez, you can take the boy out of Bendigo. Uh, so we're looking forward to having a, a catch up with him. Astro O'Connor's going to join me shortly uh, as well. Uh, but the Midday Madness promise is alive and well. one 736 uh, for Melbourne Roadside Rescue. Wrong fuel extraction. Search up shipcreek.com.au. Earmuffs, um, if you don't want to know live scores, you know, even though you are listening to, to a live sports station, uh, put your earmuffs on. NFL, uh, Green Bay Packers are 4-6 and six at the moment. They're 9-4 down against the 6-3 and three Tennessee Titans. Uh, that's got about seven and a half to play in the third quarter in NFL action. The NBA games today are all just about starting as we speak. So uh, over the next hour, I'll update you uh, on the scores there as well. Uh, the other big news today is Gil McLaughlin uh, was down in Tassie this afternoon uh, to announce, and we found this out by following Brent Costello's Twitter. Um, and he tweeted out that the state government and the AFL have an in-principle agreement on the commercial terms for a Tasmanian team, the 19th licence, so the Tassie government agree that they uh, the stadium is uh, the key point to this and it all hinges on the stadium getting up and off the ground. They're committing 375 mil. They just need to find the rest. Uh, Dave in Richmond, who's been dead against uh, this Tassie team from the get-go. He used to live down there and he's been uh, a great um, combatant in the chats that we've had about the Tassie team. Wanted to give a, uh, Wanted to give me a call and have a yarn about it. Dave, hello, mate. Oh, I'm not a combatant against it. I, my concern is with this north-south split, Sam, is that you're going to get nine or ten games maybe in the south and a couple up north. Um, and as you're probably aware, it's a Labor government, federal government. I said to you maybe five, six months ago, we're maybe heading for a pretty rough period, and that seems to be what's happening with like higher interest rates and recessions around the world. The federal government has vehemently said there's no funding at the moment for this stadium. And a lot of people down there are saying, well... If it's such a great private investment, why aren't investors rolling up their hand to give the other 375? And I met, actually met with Gillen uh, the other week uh, when he was doing his uh, trick-or-treat with the kids around for Anne and Turak, and he said they need the stadium. I said, what's wrong with this one upgraded? 
to the same standard as, say, a Metricon Stadium or um, what's that one in Canberra called? Monica Oval, something like that. Why do we need some really fancy roof stadium? He couldn't really give me a very clear answer other than he thought those two stadiums were uh, using some bad language, not, not that great. So if you are the Tasmanian Premier, what do you say to your opposition and the federal government about all this? Because you're short of money. You can't afford to buy the whole thing right now or build it. And we're in a financial downturn. What do you do? Well, from what we're told, based on the uh, estimates, that the construction's going to generate $300 million in additional economic activity, then $85 million each year. So it won't just be used for sport, Dave. It'll be used for, for concerts, events. It'll be part of a hub. There'll be medical facilities around it as well. Um, so, yes, it's going to cost money, but like all investment that's good investment, it will create money um, as well. That's what the hope for this is, and that's what it looks like uh, it will do. And uh, I appreciate the call. We've got Astor O'Connor waiting patiently for us to talk about the AFLW finals. But according to Brent, who we spoke to earlier, sen.com.au, he's confident that the money can come from private investment, from the federal government, and hopefully um, the state government get on board as well, or the, the opposition, because the, the, the Premier, Jeremy Rockliffe, has said, no, we are stumping up the 375. That's our limit, and we will get the rest. So, um, all power to them. I uh, can't wait to see how that one plays out, but it looks like it is uh, done and dusted and we will get that 19th Tasmanian licence with that in-principle agreement being announced today by Gil McLaughlin. Um, AFLW preliminary finals this week. That starts tonight. Brisbane hosting the Adelaide Crows at Metricon Stadium. There's a lot of talk around, well, if they're to win the Brisbane Lions, where will the grand final be played? But you know what? We've got two prelims to get through first and that's where we're going to focus most of our attention. Brisbane, Adelaide tonight. And then Melbourne and North Melbourne tomorrow. Can't wait for these two games and can't wait to broadcast the AFLW Grand Final next week with Astor O'Connor, who's been good enough to jump on the line. Astor, hello, mate. Hey, how are you? Uh, look, I'm fantastic. Great to be chatting to you again. It feels like only yesterday that you and I uh, were doing the game at Icon Park. Um, and there's been a lot of water to go under the AFLW season bridge since. Um, how have you found the season, first and foremost? Yeah, look, the season's been fantastic. I think the sentiment from supporters, players and the like is it's just, it feels complete now with 18 teams in the competition. And I think we've seen, you know, with these close finals we've had over the last couple of weeks, just it's gone to another level. It's, um, yeah, it's been brilliant, the footy that's been played this year. The the stories for me, Richmond and Geelong. So in the last Mm. two seasons going into this, Geelong had won four games. Uh, and now they made finals and played in their first finals. Richmond got a double chance after winning six games in the last two years. So I thought that was the biggest positive to take out of the season is that, yes, they had some lean years and we worried about the talent pool and expansion and, oh, gee, we were very nervous. But in a very short period of time, those two teams are contenders. And that bodes well for the, the four new teams that have come in to the competition. Is that how you saw it? Yeah, definitely. I think you can throw Gold Coast into that mix as well. They yeah. were really competitive all year. Um, but, you know, as other teams climb the ladder, like you mentioned, Geelong and Richmond, and, and they were serious contenders. Um, and the games that they lost, they were close games. Um, you know, the, I was at the final, the Kangaroos, um, you know, really took it to the Cats. And it was just the Cats' inaccuracy in front of goal that cost them in the end. But that game could have gone either way. But the joy on the on the Roos players face post game you could tell it was a big relief for them but you know we also see the slide of you know the dockers or clubs like that who have been competitive in the past and you know injuries etc cost them a little bit this year 
Let's turn our attention to these prelims. Uh, would it be fair to say that Brisbane and Adelaide in the early stage of AFLW in its short history is the great rivalry in the game? Uh, so they played in the first grand final in 2017. Adelaide have won three premierships. Uh, obviously, they've beaten Brisbane in one of those. Brisbane have beaten Adelaide in 2021 in uh, AFLW5. Uh, uh, um, mm-hmm. So... This is the great rivalry, two teams that have played in, in four and three grand finals, respectively. Um, it, it's the stage is set for, for another classic encounter between these two teams. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, you, you mentioned that first ever grand final. It was a wet sort of afternoon up at Metricon and sort of that classic tropical Gold Coast weather you get up there. And Aaron Phillips was a star that day. And I look at both lists now when we're preparing for the prelim and there has been a lot of change in those sort of six or seven seasons now that we've seen. So both clubs have managed to, you know, continue to be contenders throughout the competition and watching them play, they're so physical, um, both teams. They're so fit and hard. And, yeah, it's going to be a great game tonight. Um I don't know who to tip. What are, what are you thinking? <laughs> well, that's why <laughs> well, I, I got you on, Asta. <laughs> I know you've you've really uh, <laughs> you, you've really passed the buck. I'll um I think it's the Lions. You yeah, know, being up at home, the Crows look a little bit banged up to me. No Chelsea Randall. That's that's a huge out. Um, I think Hatchard looks to be carrying an injury. I know Noffy's got uh, Ebony Marinoff's got the ankle. So. You know, unless their medical team can perform miracles, I think it's the the Lions for mine. And the Lions' foot speed, the way they cover the ground, no other team can go with them. I'm gutted for Chelsea Randall. Um, She's missed a grand Mm. final with concussion. She had to miss last week with concussion. And now an ankle is going to keep her out. She is one of the best players in the competition and has been from day one. And and she is a match winner. Um, That's what she does, whether in defence or or in attack. And I'm a bit like you. I... I see her out, and I think I know that it shouldn't all hang on one player. But what mm. they would have gone through, what their bodies would have gone through last week in that torrential downpour, they were playing in, you know, the kiddie pool. Uh, when you go to a, a big pool uh, complex, this was essentially not the kiddie pool, but the one in between the kiddie pool and the big pool. Puddles of water, lightning strikes. It was a slog, and it would have really taken it out of them. And Brisbane have had that week off. They are cherry ripe. They're the highest-scoring team in the comp. I'm yep. a bit like you. I just think it's it's a bridge too far for the Crows this year. Yeah. And I listened to Stasevich, uh, the Lions coach, his press conference throughout the week, and he believes they've got another level. Um, that's a scary thought <laughs> yeah. for, um, the, for the Crows tonight. But what I will say about the Crows is they are experienced. They do know how to win. And uh, with backs against the wall, you know, you just never know in a prelim. These are the best games, I think, of finals. It comes, you know, these two games, you know, prelims are what you set yourself for as a player. Um, And I I just can't imagine, you know, how they're feeling right now, getting ready. What are we, five, four or five hours from, from, you know, uh, that bounce. So thinking about it as a former player, it's um, a bit bit jealous, really. But, um, yeah, it's going to be a great match, that's for sure. Um, to Icon Park now on Saturday. So Melbourne and North Melbourne. Melbourne still hunting for that elusive <laughs> premiership. Um, they they would have really buried some demons um, after beating Adelaide in the, in the first week of the finals. They came from 18 points down to do it. And North Melbourne had a, a really up and down regular season, Asta. But mm. their finals, I mean, yeah, the, the final against Geelong wasn't a great watch. But, geez, they were 
a fantastic watch in the way that they put Richmond away early and then just kept the foot down. Uh, they were really impressive uh, to get themselves into a prelim and still have plenty of stars despite losing a couple in that lineup to make it uh, uncomfortable for Melbourne. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it? You, you The word that comes to mind for me, I was at that game at GMHBA and it was just shin boner. I know that's a cliche yeah. when you're talking about <laughs> the kangaroos, but they were, they just scrapped and fought. Um, you know, Emma Carney is literally on one leg, um, but she found a way and she basically intercepted everything that night and, and stopped the Cats. But it's going to be a really interesting game. I think they match up really well, these two sides. They have similar style and how they like to move the ball, generate off half back and go. I wonder the firepower that Melbourne have in front of the footy, can the younger back line of the Kangaroos contain that? Like if Taylor Harris gets going, she's hard to stop. Um, but interesting to note, the only club that has won an AFLW Premiership from Victoria is the Western Bulldogs in 2018. Every other team's been... Now, in who, who, who was playing in that game that I'm trying to think of? Asta, do you know yeah. anyone who played in that game? Yeah, there's a couple. Yeah, um, a couple of people I know. And um, I was out there. I don't know how well I was playing, but I was, I was there. You definitely <laughs> um, were integral, I would have classified you as. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I think it's going to be really interesting. There will obviously be a Victorian team in the grand final next week. Which one it is, I think, like I said, Melbourne's firepower in front of the footy. Um, and having played a lot of footy with Daisy Pearce, I'd love yeah. for her to have the fairy tale. She is such an icon of our game, and you know you don't des- you don't always get what you deserve in footy, but I, I think for Daisy, yeah, I'll uh, I'll be tipping the D's for that one. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. So I think it'll be a Brisbane and Melbourne um, grand final as well. Where that will be played, Aster, is a source of uh, plenty of contention and and frustration from Craig Starsevich because he said, look, on the one hand, yep, yeah, we're all talking about AFLW, but are we talking about it for the right reasons? So mm. the season's in a place where we think, okay, this can work, but clearly there are some bugs to iron out. This is the second time if Brisbane make it. Season one, they finished top of the table. They weren't able to play a game at home. They had to go to Metricon Stadium. They won't even get to go there now. It's looking like Springfield, which hasn't had a footstep or a boot start in it, might be where it ends up. And I just don't think that's... Yes, they've earned the right to have it at home, but this is the showpiece of your competition. It has to be uh, at a showpiece venue, surely. MCG, is it available? I don't think it is available, but Marvel Mm. certainly is. And the AFL yeah, owned well, I mean, and that's that's not a bad alternative. You know, shut the roof and, Jesus, be a good game at Marvel. That ball will be pinging around. But yep. it is tough for the Lions players. But, you know, thinking again, putting my sort of player hat on, you really do just have to um, shut out that noise. Um, it is around and it is being spoken about. But as a player, you just need to go out and get your job done, whatever ground you're playing on, um, whatever the conditions are. So, you know, and I'm sure the, the Lions players... You know, are, are really they're led well by Greg Conan, and, and mm. they will be really laser focused. But yeah, it is a distraction. You're right; there are a few bugs in the fixturing. Bit frustrating, but we've got World Cups, we've got soccer, we've got cricket, we've got all these things happening, which is great. You know, Australians love sport, but where can we fit everyone? <laughs> <Does> <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's a little bit musical chairish um, uh, at the minute. And, you know, I'm not surprised that the Gabba shut it down um, instantly about uh, the grand final being played there. That's been a, you know, the battle that the AFL have had and, and team, you know, the Brisbane Lions have had there. That's been going on since Methuselah was playing uh, mm-hmm. under-18s um, for Ipswich, I'll say, given that it's uh, based in, in Queensland. So that's always going to play out in that in that way. But, um, yeah, it... it, it <laughs> 
If it's not being spoken about hotly now, it will be if Brisbane are, are, are mm. able to get through, which we expect them to. So if that all happens, Asta, I'll get an early tip from you. Uh, who's winning the uh, the AFLW7 Premiership? Yeah, so my head says Lions, just because of the way they cover the ground. There is no sort of more physical, fitter team in the comp, and they grind sides into the ground. Mm. You know, Craig Stasovic got them all playing really good team footy, role clarity, away they go. Um, with stars all over the park, but also, you know, lesser-known names that just get the job done every week. Um, but my heart says the Melbourne Demons. You know, like I mentioned, there's a few old former Darabin Falcons there at the Ds, and oh, I'd love to see them, um, you know, lost, you know, Daisy lift that cup. And, yeah, that would be the miracle for me, that, that sort of fairy tale finish for, for Daisy. If she hangs up the boots, who knows? Who knows? But, um, yeah, what, what about yourself? What are you thinking? What's your grand final tip? Um, look, I, I just just purely on what I've seen in the season, I, I think that Brisbane's best is competition best. But mm-hmm. it's like anything, a grand final is a game, and it sounds trite to say, but the grand final is a game completely separate from any other. Um, mm-hmm. And anything can happen on that day. And sometimes the heart does um, overcome the head, uh, as you're talking about. And um, I, I think it would be great for the competition for um, uh, to see someone, you know, to see Daisy... Uh, lift that cup. I think it'd be great um, for Melbourne, be only the second Victorian team to win it. But if I take the emotion out of it, I think it is Brisbane uh, that mm. win it. And we'll be able to um, watch it all unfold, Aster, as you and I are doing the grand final next week. So I'll um, I'll speak to you then. Yeah, great. No worries. Thanks for the chat. Have a good afternoon. Enjoy the sunshine out there. Beautifully done. Uh, season two, AFLW Premiership player Aster O'Connor with the Western Bulldogs, part of uh, AFL Nation and SEN's coverage of the AFLW. We'll be broadcasting that next week. Where, when, we'll let you know. Uh, back with more on Afternoons after this. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale, brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink responsibly. Access to the best in construction industry training. Call Master Builders Victoria today. Afternoons on SEN. Uh, lost in the wash time for Identifiber, your specialist in asbestos and hazardous material assessment, um, Andrew from Bendigo. Hi, Sam. Lost in the wash. I haven't heard this week any mention of how good the Bendigo Spirit are going. Seem your station is a sponsor. Thanks. Uh, that's from Andrew. Uh, and you're, we're not just a sponsor. We're the owner uh, of the Bendigo Spirit. And they have been uh, on fire to start this season so far. Top of the table. They're three from three, the Bendigo Spirit. Uh, coming up this week, uh, their games are Bendigo Spirit take on Townsville uh, Friday the 2nd. That's their next game. That can't be right, can it? That can't be right. Have I got that wrong? Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. I'll get back to you on that. Uh, Computer's doing funny things. Uh, I reckon that might not be right, but I'll just double check that and get back to you. Bendigo Spirit, it's saying their next game is against Townsville uh, Friday the 2nd of December. Uh, So they must have the bye? Well, there might be a... uh, Anyway, I'm going to get to the bottom of that. Uh, Another one lost in the wash. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but the Buffalo Bills Cleveland game has been moved from Buffalo due to a snowstorm, where 30 mil of snow is expected. So the game will be played at an indoor stadium in Detroit. Snow is expected in Buffalo around nine months every year. Uh, Eddie Maguire saying that the redevelopment billion dollars to the uh, Shane Warne stand, the old Southern stand, uh, needs to include a roof. Um, 
thankfully we don't have those conditions to deal with. But it's amazing to me that in a town, a city that gets snow nine months of the year, their stadium is still an open air stadium. Uh, I'm a big one for the retractable roof. I don't know if you are as well. Uh, Eddie's been strong on that, and I and I agree with that. Um, that a retractable roof on the MCG means that you don't lose games that are there, like we got at the T20 World Cup. The roof closes and play on. Arms up, whistle blown, play on. Uh, news time. Thank you, April, and thank you, A-Rod. Very sharp work uh, on the buttons and with the soundtrack today. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's up and about, is Roderick. Uh, it's good to see. When he's up and about, I feel like we're all up and about. He is the mood setter uh, when he's on the buttons. Um, welcome back to Afternoon. Sam Hargraves filling in for Dwayne. Uh, we're going to head over to Doha. Um, Qatar is the venue for the 2022 FIFA World Cup in football, soccer, whatever you want, a round ball, the world game. Um, Australia have got a really, really tough group. Denmark, Tunisia, their, well, their quest to make it through to the second round uh, starts 3 a.m. Wednesday morning. And just to do that, they have to get over a, a little side called France who just happen to be the, the reigning champions. But it's going to be fascinating to um, have a chat to Adam Peacock from codesports.com.au, a football writer, part of the SEN family. Um, get a lot of information and sometimes misinformation out of there and, and how strict uh, are the rules going to be that uh, fans need to follow. We've seen some pretty almost riotous scenes at World Cups uh, over the years, especially when certain fans from certain countries just cross paths wandering out and about. Um, so the, the rules and regulations that uh, everyone's going to need to adhere to, what information that the, the, the reporters and the media have been given, uh, to cover that and just how the, the team is shaping up. Um, uh, Australia have been given the, the same facilities to prepare in uh, as the Qatari national team use as well. So they have um, really um, benefited from uh, the lucky dip uh, in terms of getting that, uh, getting that facility up for grabs. I think we're having a little trouble getting on to Adam. So we'll get to him uh, on the other side uh, of a break. Um, just off the text in regards to the Bendigo Spirit, Packer in Eltham says, speaking of the Bendigo Spirit, I was in Bendigo the other week to watch the game. I was there at 8am and uh, six hours before the game. And who do I see helping set up? Hutchie. What a legend. Uh, thank you, Packer uh, in Eltham. Hey, the other person we're going to have a chat to, I caught up with him a little earlier, but Steve Elker is a phenomenal golf story. Um, New Zealand golfer from Hamilton who first turned pro in about 1995, Got and lost his PGA Tour card on three occasions. But now, uh, having joined the Senior Championship Tour on the PGA, has um, has just won the most coveted award in that Senior Championship Tour in the PGA. And we're going to hear that story uh, before 3 o'clock as well. This is Afternoons for the SEN Master Builders. Master Builders Victoria supporting businesses in residential, commercial and civil construction. You can call 1-300-736-736 on the Werribee Kia open line or the 40 Wings Temper Tech 0433 uh, One of the great things about uh, being involved in, in SEN and, and just being involved in sport in any way, shape or form is the ability to just to hear great stories in, in sport. Um, and, and we've come across one that is a fantastic story in golf. Now, if you might be the passive fan or you might be the locked-in golf fan, 
Uh, the name Steve Elk would be one that might be familiar to uh, to you. Has won events on the PGA Tour of Australasia. Actually turned pro in 1995. But the career, the ups and downs, the peaks and troughs that uh, Steve Elker has gone through are just extraordinary. Um, and where he finds himself now playing the best golf of his life in his 50s and has just secured... Uh, an incredibly prestigious honour in the world of golf, the Charles Schwab Cup Championship, um, playing on the uh, the PGA Champions Tour, and he's been good enough to jump on the line just to share a bit of his story with us. Steve, hello to you. I'm very well, thanks. Thanks for having us on. Well, congratulations first and foremost. If I had told you in 1995 when you turned pro that um, give it time, your best golf is ahead of you, but it's in your 50s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been a long time coming, and uh, and it, I'll tell you, it's really weird to be a rookie at fifty. So um, it's uh, it's crazy, but yeah, no, it's been an amazing year, and uh, you know, it's just a, just a second career for me right now, and um, I don't know how long I've got left, but um, I'm enjoying it right now, and it's it's been a lot of fun. It's been a super year. So just for those who might not know, you, this year you've won four times in twenty two starts. Um, but before that, this this rich vein of form's taken, as I said, you know, twenty years to reach. Take us back. I oh know we don't have, probably have enough time. We'd need a, a substantial podcast for that. But take us back over the last twenty years and, and just fill people in on on what your golfing journey has been. Well, you know, obviously. Um, being from New Zealand so far away and um, and playing a lot with a lot of Australian guys. You know, we started down in Australasia and uh, played the Islands tours and just, you know, just small events, um, just trying to play wherever I could. Um, Canadian tour was kind of the next stop. And then, um, you know, eventually, you know, just trying to get myself on a main tour. So I was, my first big main tour was, was the European tour. Uh, a lot of Aussies and New Zealanders were playing over there as well. So, you know, um, it, it, those were good times, you know, just travelling and, and trying to get settled and, and, and you know, make it, start making a career. So, um, and, you know, and then from there, my next step was, well, I want to give America a shot. So I went back and, and played Canada again and then uh, qualified for, for the American tour and, again, you know, a bunch of Australians and a few New Zealanders playing over here, and so there was all those, always that um, uh, kind of little bit of support and, and camaraderie and, and you know um, and Tibetans um, around, which was great. So good mate of mine, Pants uh, Rod Pamplin, who's out here playing John Sendon, guys like that. Dave McKenzie's another guy, Melbourne guy, um, out here playing the Champions Tour. So it's been a lot of fun. Those guys have always kind of been around, you know. So. Um, and, and then, as I said, now this is this is my second career. Hit fifty, and I, I made it this far. So I thought, well, I might as well just keep going. Just for those who, and and your, your first foray into the US was a really difficult one. I think it was at two thousand and three that I think you got your PGA card, but only to lose yeah. it a year after three times in a row. I mean, how big a kick in the teeth was that? Not just once, but three times. Well, yeah, I mean, there was, a, there was stretches there. Obviously, I played, you know, I got my card in 2003, didn't keep it, but then I didn't get my card again until, like, the 14, 15 season. So there's a big break in there. So between that time, you know, just been the ultimate journeyman uh, back to Europe, 
um, playing some Australasian tour, playing the Corn Ferry tour in the States, you know, back in Australasia and you know, back on the tour. And then when I got back on the US tour, I was back on the Corn Ferry. So, yeah, just a lot of lot of hard yards, a lot of travelling, a lot of time away from the family. And, um, yeah, it, it's, been, it's been quite an adventure. Now... I've been doing a bit of reading, and and I remember reading the story at the time. But about eighteen months before, um, you joined the PGA Tour Champions, um, you got the little feeling that maybe the body wasn't quite right. So not only have you sort of had to play, not only have you had to grind out the career and 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 leapfrog all around the world to try and you know keep the dream alive, so to speak. You've had to battle some pretty serious uh, health issues as well, Steve. Yeah, time to time. You know, I had some arthritis for a long time um, as a young man, and then that kind of, that was tough to play golf at times. You know, the old niggle, the back injury, and a few, you know, shoulder issues and things, but um, nothing that kind of golfers, us golfers don't get. Um, but, yeah, and then, you know, obviously um, trying to, you know, look ahead and play Champions Tour, you know, the body didn't feel felt like I could be in better shape, you know what I mean? So I already made an effort to, to kind of get into really good golf shape and get ready for the Champions Tour. So it was a nice turnaround. And, you know, I, I got a good trainer here in, in Arizona in the States, and he, he's got me in really good shape and, and uh, right right where I want to be. Now, give us some of the names. I, I, I'm going to roll off a couple, but if I miss any, because the the, the senior championship is the who's who of golfing greats. I mean, Padraig Harrington's on there, Jim Furyk, Miguel Angel Jimenez. Um, these are just some of the names that you're going head-to-head with each and every week. So for those who hear seniors tour and think, oh, yeah, well, how hard could that be? Um, well, you, you're playing against multi, you're playing against guys that have won multiple majors. Yeah. You know, it's what surprised me is when I first come out was, uh, the guys still want to win. They're already competitive, but um, you, you got to shoot low to win. You know what I mean? The depth might not quite be there, and, and it depends on guys how their body's feeling and and um, you know, the, the course that week. But the top guys, you know, week in week out, if you're not shooting five or six under a round, you, you're not going to win a golf tournament. So that surprised me. So you know, um, you know I had a bunch of top tens when I started out, but. I realised pretty quickly that you know you've got to you got to shoot low to actually win the tournaments out here. So um, it's still competitive, and I'm just enjoying my company so much because you know that um, I'm in good company. And it's good to see someone other than Bernhard Langer win uh, on this tour. I've got to say, you're only the second person in the last ten years that's won it other than Bernhard Langer. Um, and to do that, you know, the VJ Sings of the world um, that you're playing against. You know, Phil Mickelson spent some time on that tour as well before he joined Liv. Fred Couples the other day shot younger than his age, Steve. So it's yeah, a really, amazing. really strong tour. Uh, strong tour. Yeah, no, it sure is. I mean. Just so I know, you look at the, the, the Hall of Famers and the, the, the major champions, and these guys had serious careers, you know. But yeah, it's, what surprises me, they just they just keep going. Bernard Lang is amazing, just keeps mm. that perseverance and that the will to win. I mean, it's it's just amazing. So I don't know if I'll, I'll still be playing at 65, mate, but uh, <laughs> if I can get another eight or ten years out of it, I'll be doing well. Steve Alker is with us from Hamilton in New Zealand, uh, turned pro in 1995, and um, in his early 50s now is playing the best golf uh, of his career. Four wins on the senior championship with the PGA and to take out 
um, one of the most prestigious awards uh, in golf for the Charles Schwab, but you've also taken out uh, the Arnold Palmer uh, and a few other awards this year. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on the state of golf at the moment, Steve? You're speaking, you, you're week in, week out playing with the legends and the greats of the game. How do you, how are you all sort of sitting there viewing the, the live disruption that's occurred and what that's forced the PGA to have to do and that's what the uh, what the DP to us uh, now needing to do and live coming to Australia and it's the probably the, the the biggest state of flux that golf has has ever been in in its history how are you seeing it yeah yeah a little bit like that you know it's just uh, it's a strange situation um, obviously with what the live is 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 doing um, you know the, the PGA sort of felt like they've had to pick up their game a little bit Um yeah, and especially money-wise, I think they're they're making tracks and, and doing that and trying to get some uh, different uh, um, yeah, some different scenarios going. Um, but but for us, and the champions, you know, um, it, it hasn't trickled down and affected affected us too much. Um, you know, we're um, yeah, kind of a little bit of a, a close-knit family, and we're doing our own thing, but. Um, um, yeah, it's it's just interesting what's happening in golf and the views. And but I think I think the PGA Tour seriously will come through uh, better better for this and in um, a better situation and with a better better image too. You know. Yeah, it, it, I think it's a great point you make because one thing that myself and Nick Ahern speak about we've got a, a weekly show off the tee uh, on uh, on SEN. And regardless of what you feel about Liv, it has actually made the golfers' lives infinitely better with what the PGA now is is coughing up. I mean, even yeah. just the half a million guaranteed for those with a PGA exactly. Tour card, but they might not be able to get the wins and they might not be making the cuts. Can you imagine in your day when you when you first joined how how important that money would have been when you you know grinding it out uh, trying to earn a living, Steve, which you'd remember all all too well. Absolutely, and I think. Um you know, it's just going to make the tour stronger and better and the players because, I mean, if I had 500000 up front going out, I think I'd be a little bit freer going out there and, and playing the game and have a lot more freedom uh, on the golf course. So it's an interesting situation. But I think um, you look at a lot of other sports and where they're at now, I think that's what kind of golf had to do, it kind of move that way and have an upfront um, amount that, that can cover at least some expenses and, and, and give you that little bit of maybe freedom is the right word to, to play and compete at your best. Well, Steve, there's a, an expression in sport, isn't there, that if you, if you put in, the rewards will come. Well, you've put in, uh, my friend, for a long, long time, and the rewards have come, um, and we're wrapped for you. We appreciate your time. Enjoy your, your time off. We hope to see you uh, back in Australia soon. Um, good luck for the next uh, senior, the, the Champions Tour. Um, and uh, congratulations again on, on all your success. No, thanks very much. I appreciate it. Appreciate all the support over there too. It's been amazing. Thanks. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale, brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink responsibly. Access to the best in construction industry training. Call Master Builders Victoria today. Afternoons on SEN. Uh, time to talk some Greyhound Racing. There is a massive night ahead of us. Sandown Park tomorrow night, third night of the Sportsbet Dream Chasers Festival. Now, it is the heat of the Sportsbet Melbourne Cup. And as I welcome in Lou Martin uh, from the GRV, the General Manager, Corporate Affairs, Strategic Communications. Uh, Lou, many experts say that this is the best night of Greyhound Racing in Victoria each and every year. Is that right? 
I think that's wrong. I think it's the best night of greyhound racing in the world uh, tomorrow night. <laughs> it's just a, it's just amazing racing, Sam, and uh, it just culminates, you know, for for the participants out there who are working so hard every day to get their dogs to the track with the great welfare, you know, and care and love that they do when they get there. This is a pinnacle. The pinnacle is to be at the prestigious um, Melbourne Cup, which is uh, obviously the following week. So. Before that, we have eight heats tomorrow night, so I'm going along. I can't wait. And if you absolutely want to be excited, you can have Wow, She's Fast, Amron Boy, Kensley Bale, Photo Man. I love Photo Man. I love them all. Plaintiff, Typhoon Sammy, and there you go. Sammy, you can back that one. Yeah, that's my um, favourite, Gray and Lou, the Bendigo Cup winner, at a star. Yeah, we've just got so many. I don't know where to look, but it's just a thrilling night. And congratulations to everybody who's taking part in it because it's a culmination of years and years of effort to get there. So, yeah, it's going to be an absolutely wonderful night. Uh, so household names everywhere. 12 races kicking off just after 6.30 p.m. Just tell us a bit more about the festival, Lou. What can people expect tomorrow night when they arrive at Sandown Park? Well, look, apart from the racing, which is obviously what we hold our hat on and, and, and thoroughly, you know, uh, enjoy every day of the year apart from, uh, from Christmas Day and uh, everywhere across um, the state, we have entertainment to blow your mind. Good Times Party DJ is going to be on all night and we have special guest Yacht Rock Revival after the last race. Now, I just think they're sensational. The kids get in for free. General admission is $10.00. And you can walk up on the night at Sandown. You can get off the train. It's pretty easy. You just cross the road and there you are at beautiful Sandown Park. And uh, we have tickets already for the first place marquee. Only a few left, $95 a person. And that gets you everything, you know, uh, food, uh, alcohol, track entry, race book, all of that. And uh, as I said before, you get to see the most sensational racing. But for families, it's a free night for kids. And you can get, you know, good food, good entertainment. And if um, you don't want to actually come to the track, which we hope you do, you can all watch it all on racing.com. And one of your colleagues, your very own, Cam Luke, he's hosting tomorrow night. And um, I'm looking forward to having him on board with us. Well, they can't all be winners, can they, Lou? You can't get it 100%. No, I'm just kidding, of course. He's an absolute star, is Cam Luke, and he will do a magnificent job of bringing that uh, to life. It's a new era of greyhound racing, isn't it? It's evolving just right before our very eyes. And congratulations to you and the whole team. You, you've built such great entertainment, um, and you're capturing hearts and minds around, uh, as well as the calibre of racing. Uh, and SEN Track uh, are so proud to be there every step of the way with you. So uh, the dreamchasersfestival.com.au, the place to find out everything you need to know. Good luck tomorrow night, Lou. Thanks so much for your time, and we hope and we know it'll be a raging success. Thanks, Sam. Looking forward to seeing everyone. Come along to Sandown Park tomorrow night. Uh, big thanks to Lou Martin. Uh, get yourself involved, uh, GRV, uh, and download the Watchdog app as well. Gamble responsibly if you are doing so. It's almost time to say goodbye. And Cam Luke, the aforementioned, uh, will be helming uh, the run home with the captain of Australia, Andrew Gaze. That's coming up shortly. Herald Sun reporting today, too, that Joel Selwood's next career move has been announced. Um, retiring great of the game. He's going to join the Melbourne Storm in a leadership coach uh, capacity. Uh, a massive coup uh, for the Storm. Um, Joel Selwood's going to join uh, them 
in a, uh, as I'm just reading this straight, a part-time role as a leadership coach, uh, turning down a host of rival organisations keen on his signature. He said, I'm really excited to be joining uh, the Storm. I've been watching them and been an envy of what the club has been able to achieve for a long time. When the opportunity came up, uh, I saw it as a great chance to get involved in something a bit different in an environment that is so well run. I think Nick Maxwell did that after retiring as well. There's always been a great crossover and cohesion with the Melbourne Storm and AFL, given that they are... Uh, in Melbourne as well, and tapping into different forms of leadership is very, very smart business. It's why the Melbourne Storm are one of the best in uh, the business. Big thanks to you for all your calls and all your texts. It's been an absolute joy to be chatting to you throughout the course of the afternoon. Um, and keep that joy going as Cam Luke and Andrew Gaze get set to take the helm. Uh, don't forget, too, the finals of the Hockey One, Sultana Brown Hockey One League this weekend. Bendigo, Saturday, Sunday, Saturday the semis, Sunday the grand finals. I'll be broadcasting that. Speak to you again very soon. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.